right, we're good. All right, good people. Welcome back to the Hunger for Knowledge podcast. As always, I'm Will Beatty here with Rob Tibbins. What's up? How you doing, Rob? Good. Uh, tonight, you know, we get we got we got a special guest. Oh man, we got my man Kill in here. How you doing, Kill? What's up, man? man? I'm excited to be here, man. As soon as you sent me the, the text, like we want to get you on, bro. I'm here. I'm ready to go. Like, I'm excited. Yeah, man. I'm excited. I mean, back back in the day when I was still on Twitter, you know, <laughs> Kill is the best thing that happened. Like out of all my whole Twitter experience, uh, all of the crazy, crazy. Nonsense I heard on there. The best thing that happened out of it was that I, you know, I met Kill and it was, you know, uh, you know, we bonded through 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 the music, you know, is you know, his beats were just you know, out Kill. I guess I should say this Kill is, is a producer uh, along with so many other things, man. Like, you, Bro, I do it. I, I met him through music and I admired him so much for. The other stuff that he did, like it was crazy. Like you know, he, he's he's one of them busy. You know, he stays busy. You know, good looking, bro. I appreciate that, man. That's the truth, man. You should. You are our first live guest. I, yeah, y'all, I'm honored, y'all. I'm I'm truly like humbly. I'm humbled. I'm honored. I I appreciate it, man. I truly appreciate. And then being the first is even doper. So yeah, man. Absolutely. We've been a lot of first, and uh, we actually got. After a little technical difficulty, we got going. So, yeah, no doubt, man. Like I said, I'm just happy to be here and chop it up with y'all. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> Rob showed me last week. <laughs> last week we had, well, yeah, like thirty some listeners from Somalia, thirty four downloads <laughs> like, from Somalia. Hey, like, in like two days, listening? two days. Like I'm thinking about somebody sitting, like listening to the headphones, and like this is good, like, it's like, <laughs> like. like <laughs> Like what? Well, that's crazy. It you was know? Tommy. That's what I want. One was really. Yeah. Oh it was man, a dream the, one, the last you know? dude was dream. on. You know, it was about dreams and stuff. That was that was a cool one. Yeah. But man, I've been I, I've been waiting for this one all week, man. Ever since we, we said we were gonna do it, um, because you know I I try to, you know, and I know Rob feels the same way. I try to bring people on here who inspire me. People who 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 want who who make me want to be a better person, and you know when I met you, you know from from the from the first communication, you know you know it was it was all love, and that's you know I, I look for that, you know what I mean. I don't, you know, you can meet a you you meet a lot of people on Twitter, you know, but you know not everybody. Uh, has the same kind of culture, the same kind of, um, you know, some people just, you know, they come at you from this, like, I'm big and you're little type mm-hmm. of situation. There's a lot of that on social media, I think, just in, in general, general. Yeah. You know, yeah. but, you know, I-, I wanted to get you in here and, and just, you know, uh, really get into like, you know how how how'd you how'd you get started in music and and the other things that you that you're doing? You know, yeah, I know you were doing the counseling and the and you know even cutting heads and stuff like that. So it's like, man, like, yo, I mean, bro, it, the music has always been there since like '84. 
fell in love with hip hop with Run DMC, seeing Run DMC on, uh, I think it was like Dick Clark or something like that. And it was just like, that was the bug, you know, and it was Beach Street, Breaking, Crush Crew, all of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. you know, just always wanted to rhyme, do graffiti, break dance. I was doing a little bit of everything, but I think like, I, w- I never wanted to be the jack of all trades and the master of none. Like I wanted to be dope for something. And I, I, I wasn't a dope MC. You know what I mean? I was like, I I was two mics at everything. You had some test, you had some test runs. Yeah. I, I was two mics at everything. Like I was probably a three mic break dancer, two mic <laughs> a two mic MC, um, a two mic DJ. But then like once I got the production bug, like by the time I got to Morgan State in Baltimore in '92, it was like, nah, I'm gonna do this production thing and just focus on that. And then that's that was kind of the love for for the music, you know. My mom's is a jazz musician, so you know it's kind of like you know yeah, yeah. just uh, you know I grew up in studio sessions and jazz rehearsals and rehearsals at my house and you know all of that stuff. So you know for me the love of music you know came from her uh, first and foremost. But then of course just falling in love with hip hop, man, and shit that was ten years old. Now I'm forty six and I'm still in love with it. Still chopping up about hip hop. Still in studio. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I'm just looking back at the mic. That's the joint we used to record your albums here. Absolutely. That's that that room right there. That room means a lot to me. Like that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. I still got the joint. The video where you went with T singing the chorus for uh, yeah. uh, no more with Jr. in here. Yeah, we. I still got all that footage of us recording the album here, man. Somebody, yeah. Somebody reminded me the other day that um about that the the one that's on YouTube. Yeah. Well, well, maybe we'll put that in the show description and stuff yeah, like. Yeah, absolutely. Because that was—I mean—that was—that was the most fun I ever had making music. That's dope. It was just the element of it, and you know what I mean. And then, like, you know, uh, me and me and Kel, we 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 done we did two projects. You know, we did an EP, and then we did an album. And for the EP, you know, I drove down there. And you know, it's it's a dip, you know. It's it's, oh, it's, it's a dip. A I'm, out here. I'm out here in the bricks, baby. Oh man, but it was it was it was so worth it, you know. I, I remember driving home and I was like, Man, what if I wouldn't like what if I wouldn't have been willing to come down here and, right. and do that? Like it was just it feels so good. It's a whole other energy you get, yeah. you know. The, the internet is a blessing and a curse at the same time. You, you know, we could have easily, I could have sent you the tracks and you recorded it up there and, you know, we just put it out. But, you know, anytime I work with somebody, I'm like, I just feel like there's a whole element of being in the same room together, you know, and being able to bounce ideas off of each other and being able to take a break and talk about music, which may spark an idea for another rhyme. Like, oh, I had this rhyme, but, you know, the conversation we just had now I want to, you know, it's just something about that, that, that energy, that, you know. You know, we're older. You know, we used to go outside and play. These kids just on their phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah, you know what I mean? So I, it's just a different energy when you come down here. And, you know, I want you to get the vibe of, yo, we need a, a hook. Yo, T, you know, yo, let me get my wife to come in and sing the hook. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that you can't do like online and everything. It just is just being there. You know what you I mean? Can, you can try to do it. But it's, it's like, it's not the same. Like, there's, no matter what, you know, and that's really, sometimes these days, I feel like I'm living in a sci-fi movie or something because they got little, you know, little kids that now, you know, they 
I'm starting now. You're really actually starting to see it. You're like, oh, these kids don't really communicate with a lot of people in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it affects so many different things about them. You know, yeah. and absolutely, you can see where I think music, notely, you know, you know, uh, hip hop, uh, or what you know, what I call hip pop. Right. You know what I mean, that's what it is. It's it's just hip pop. It's not, it's not, it's devoid of the actual culture. It's just like this, this uh, loosely, it, because they, they think because somebody's rapping on there that that's hip hop. Right. You know, and that's something that I feel like, you know, I, I take pride in, uh, you know, the hip hop being a part of my culture. Right. You know, because you know that that culture comes along with a different with with a with a mind. You know what I mean. You have that hip hop mind, that, that thing that you know. Uh, I when when I first heard your you know your beats, the first thing, you know, me I'm a big sample guy. You know what I mean. Like I love old. I listen to more old music than I do new music or newer music. You know. I'm always listening to stuff from the 60s and the 70s, uh, you know, and, and just because, you know, I, I used to make beats, I'm always chopping stuff up in my head and stuff. And that's that's a language and that's a that's a communication. But now there's people who be like, I like rap. But if you start like playing something with like an old school type of vibe, they're like, oh, this is so boring. This is <laughs> this is too slow. And, the, and stuff. it's like, man, you you're not. Oh, like from the culture at all. Right. You're just somebody who likes the music. Right. You know? It's crazy. But the hard part, bro, is so much of it is is your age too. You know what I mean? Because yeah. when we think about the hip hop culture, we're talking about, you know, breaking, graffiti, DJing and MCing. And I was telling somebody just the other day, I'm 46. So I fall in love with hip hop 84. Beat Street is out. You know, so I get to see, you know, graffiti and breaking, you know, wild style was out. You got to see it. But what about the person who's 43 and didn't turn 10 until what's that 87? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. By seven, there is no break dancing no more. You know, there is no graffiti anymore. You know what I mean? So two of the pillars of the hip hop culture are already gone for, for that person who is only three years younger than me. You know what I mean? Like somebody who's 43 is nine times out to not gonna be able to say, yo, I used to come home from school every day and practice my swipes or practice my footwork or practice my windmill because they wasn't watching Beach Street. You know, by the time we got the crush, by the time we got the crush groove in 86, there was no more break dance. You know what I, I think, mean? Yeah, I think me, like cause me, like I'm I'm 33. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always gotta remember how old I am. I always forget. <laughs> Bro, I forget too, man. You know what I mean? Like I forget, but you know, my experience of hip hop is a different situation. Like it's like it's to me, it was about listening to like you had a more experience with the culture. Like you grew up kind of with it. Right. You know I mean, me, it was kind of like this secondary type of a thing that was like um I had to listen to older people. And really get into their values and in the way and a lot of the ways that they saw uh, the world and um, 
you know, the kinds of music that inspired them. Like, I had to look at that, but I think some people now are just like, oh, those everybody older is just an old hater and mm-hmm. that they don't have nothing to learn from them. And it's like, no, you, you got to have some sense of um, history and some, you know what I mean? Because I heard somebody say on the song, they say, if you don't know your history, I know your fate. You know, like, that's and that's just kind of the reality of it. I feel like somebody like like your daughter, she I think she'll get hip hop from you. Oh yeah, I mean, you know I, I'm saying like you you probably already see it. Like you, I, you know, I told people this the day she came home from the hospital. Every day at bath time, it was salt and pepper. You know, Big Daddy Kane, Cool G Rap. You know what I mean? Kid and play. You know what I mean? So it was. I I, I was like, yo, my daughter's gonna know about God and hip hop. Those are the two things that she gonna know undoubtedly about. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, it, and and yeah, but I think it's the marriage counseling me. I always take notes whenever I'm doing something. But it's like the first thing that you said is different, bro. By you being 33, as you said, you take pride in, in the culture and what you do. You know what I mean? And a lot of people don't take pride in. It. You know what I mean? They just it's hip hop has become the new way out the hood. See, when I fell in love with hip hop and got my two turntables in '84. It wasn't, I wasn't like thinking, okay, I could do X amount of parties times X amount of dollars and make X amount of money. Nah, it was just, I just wanted to do it. You know what I'm saying? Now all these people, you got a whole bunch of people who rhyme just because it can, you could become a millionaire from it. It, And to me, it's the same thing with ball. You got a lot of balls who don't love the game of basketball. You know what I'm saying? But they do it just because it pays a lot of money. My man said, kill for kid. Six five, like six five, eighth grader walking your team center tomorrow. What you gonna think he do? I'm like, yo, he probably play ball. He's like, yeah, but what if this boy like, nah, I don't want to play ball. I just want to sing on the choir. You know what? Everybody in that neighborhood is gonna be like, nah, you gotta play ball. Get on him. Gotta play ball. This could be the way to get your family out the neighborhood. Woo woo woo. You know what I mean? Now that kid is in the league, but this is why when you look at the draft, you can see so many top five draft picks ain't even in the league. You know what I mean? I was reading something the other day about how did Minnesota pick Johnny Flynn from Syracuse over Steph Curry? Like, where's Johnny Flynn now? This is wow, time Johnny Flynn. I forgot all about him. Syracuse, who got picked before Steph Curry. You know, you couldn't do that back in the nineties. If it was you, you was a number five pick, yo, we remember you. Your name rang bells. But so when you get in the league now, it's all based off of potential, and it's really based off of where is your mindset? Is your goal just to get in the league? get money and get 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 with an Instagram shorty because you'll get that before you even get drafted. You it's know? not like you it's not like you talking about somebody specific. It's not oh, like no, no, you, no, 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 real stuff. I'm just saying in general, like I, I told my man, if you bored, yo, just pull up the last five, five, six NBA drafts and go through them 13 lottery picks and really ask yourself, are they still in the league? Are they still in the league making noise? Or do you even remember them? Some people you won't even remember. You'll be like, damn, I don't even remember, dude. You know what I mean? So, but but the thing is, is that it's coming from a place of do you love it? Like, as much as I hated Kobe as a player, I've always respected his love for the game, his love to be great. You know what I mean? And I mean, if the league had 20% of Kobe in them, we'd be looking at a much better brand of basketball on the floor. You know what I mean? But but they don't. And the other thing you said is you you listen to the older people and what music inspired them. For you to listen, that means you had to shut up and be quiet. A lot yeah, of yeah. young folk don't want to shut up. They don't want to be quiet. No, you know no. what I mean? They don't want to sit back and listen. Like, 
I was they giving now what you gonna say? They know, they know it. It. right. You know, I was saying that um I watched the temptation movie for like the hundredth time with Naomi, and then I called my mom with a million questions. You know, like was it like this and was that the example of a young person on Twitter, they'll read a book about Illmatic and then get on Twitter and want to debate with me. Like, and I'm like, dog, why are you debate? Like, you should read the book and then come get with somebody older and still have a discussion with them. You know what I mean? But like I said, a lot of people don't want to be quiet. I was raised not to be the smartest person in the room. So I want to be around dope people. I want to be around smart people. I want to be around people I can just shut up and learn from. But a lot of people don't do that. So when you said, yo, I had to listen to other people and what music inspired them, most people don't do that, young or old. Yeah, that's the truth. Uh, were you going to say something wrong? No, nah, I was just going to bring up. What was the other guy from Minnesota that got drafted number one? Joe Smith, back in the day? No, no. This was only like a couple years ago. And then he got – he only played like two years, and then he was gone. And then they brought – I forget what his name was. He was a bigger dude. He was a big dude. That's why a lot of people like that. Uh, yeah, but it, I, he might have been drafted the same either a year after Flynn or a year before. I can't remember. Anthony? No, 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 Anthony. Uh, it, yeah, something Anthony, wasn't it? No, nah, hold on. I'm, I'm peeping them now. Selections. All right. So they had. Da, 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 da. But the, everybody, like when they drafted him, everybody's like, "Why are you taking this guy?" And like he was like slotted to go tenth or something. They took him number one. All right, they got. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I can't even remember like a person. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to look it up now, but. Ah. But I mean, I think you're you're spot on with the with the NBA with the players and stuff. It's yeah. just about it's about the love for the game, you know. What yeah. I mean? So, um, well, Carl Anthony Towns was their last number one pick back in 2015. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the guy. I remember he was number one, and they 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 were like everybody was talking how it was like a stretch, and he should have been picked like further back, and that he was only in the league for like two years, and then he was gone. You got Derek Williams back in 2011, number two pick. I don't even remember boy, but that's what I mean. No, I remember yeah. him. I remember, I remember him. Derek Williams. Yeah, I remember, I remember him. He was like, oh, was he? The he was one of them dudes who like looked big in college. Mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? Like some people look big in college, and then when they get into the league, you're like, "Oh, he's little." <laughs> like, in 2016, he drafted Chris Dunn at the point, and I thought, you know, the, the word on him yeah. was supposed to be the next big one. But that's what I mean. Like Chris Dunn, I think he in Chicago now. He may have been yeah. traded three times, but that's what I mean. You get traded, you get drafted in 2016, and by 2020, you've been traded three times. And yeah, you're a top five pick. Again, that wasn't happening in the 90s. You know what I mean? If you was a top five pick, you was you was legitimate. You was legitimate. You was in the league. But again, that comes from the love for the game. That comes from that I want to be the best. And I don't think a lot of MCs or basketball players nowadays come into it like I want to be the best. I think I want to get into it and I want to make a lot of money. Like that's my number one goal. And maybe being the best is, you know, two, three, four down the line. But I think every everything now is about your brand. You know what I mean? So before you even work on your game, you're already working on, okay, what's my brand? You know what I mean? And and that's really, you know, you really see that with, uh, you know, when we were talking a little bit earlier before we started with uh, talking about Ben Simmons, because yeah. the reality of it is, is when I look at him and I look at like, <clears throat> you know, uh, he has the physical ability to do so many things 
and doesn't seem to have the want to do it. And I'm like, I think this guy wants to be a celebrity. He does. Right? I think he like when I when I first started seeing his like his YouTube page and stuff like that and his presentation, like you said, the branding of it. I said that guy wants to be a celebrity. He wants to date celebrities right. and be a well-known dude. And then who knows? Maybe he's like gonna be like Lamar Odom or something like that. Like you know, like he'll just be like in the public eye. They're like, oh, he used to play basketball. Like, I, was he was he dating one of the Kardashians? Yeah, yeah, he was both of them, him and Lamar. Well, yeah, yeah Lamar, yeah. But and and here's the wild part. And like I was saying early, like when. They did that documentary on him, and he was hyped that LSU didn't get to the tournament so he could move out his dorm and get ready for the draft. That showed me a lot right there because, like I said, mm-hmm. what basketball what, what basketball player doesn't want to go to March Madness? Who, who yeah. doesn't want to go to the big dance? And then people will be like, well, Kill, he's from Australia. Maybe he, stop with that. Old, it's, it's a million excuses with this boy. Then it's like it's so many little things he said. Like Then it was like, all right, boom, you dating a Kardashian. To me, in 2020 – if you a black man and you want to date a Kardashian, I don't want you on my team. Of what they've done to black men, Lamar on crack, the father, he he a woman that like, yo, that, that <laughs> Kanye crazy. Like, yo, the history of them with black men is not good. So that tells me something like what you said. You want to be a celebrity. You yeah. want to you. you That's what you want to do. You don't want to put it in. And then he says something maybe I think it's two seasons ago. Reporter before the season was like. Asked him something about shooting threes, and he was like, I'm an all-star, right? I was rookie of the year, right? And if that's your answer to when somebody asks you about your game getting better, right? Yeah, and these are all just little things that I pay attention to. Like, I'm like, bro, I don't want you on my squad. Like, you're not about getting better. If that's your answer, like, I was rooting against him to win rookie of the year. To me, he's the type of player who's only going to do good if his contract is based on incentive. Like, if it was like, if you could score X amount of points, then he'd be working on it. But in the NBA with guaranteed contracts, you know, that boy is good. He like, yo, here's the thing. Like, I got a max contract. I was rookie of the year, two-time All-Star. If I had a jump shot, what's that going to do for me? <laughs> That's the problem. It's not about what it's going to do for you. What's it going to do for the team? Yeah, How's yeah. it going to help us win? And right. that's different. So, you know, those are just the things like that I pick up on. And I'm just like, yo, get rid of them while we can. And I don't know if the hush money is going. Here's another thing I started on Twitter. Now I don't know if y'all ever thought about this. I think these commentators and these writers get paid money to big up players or to not displays. Because I believe that. Now, two weeks ago, all of a sudden, after the James Harden trade, everything on Twitter and on social media was Ben Simmons needs to get better. Oh, uh, 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 a team president from the East, from the Eastern Conference that doesn't want to be named. Oh, Ben Simmons hasn't improved. And I'm just like, yo, where did all this, where did all this shit come from? Because before everybody was swallowing Ben. So I don't know if the hush money ran out or what, but now it's, now it's all out on the table, which is harder for us. Cause now that people hear that now it's going to be even harder for us to get rid of him. Because people have, I guess he stopped with the hush money. And people are like, come on, kill you believe that? And I'm like, bro, I did radio for 10 years. Payola is real. You can get, pay- I mean, Payola been around since the 20s and the 30s. Like, beginning of, ever since they sold a record, there's right. always been that element. Always, it's always been that. And I mean, I get why people don't get it. Before I did radio, yo, if you hear somebody on the radio 50 times a day, I'm like, wow, that, you know, that's a popular song. And so one day, it's probably 93. 
And my man came to me and was like, yo, Killer, I need you to play this song four times. You know, our hip hop show was five hours. He's like, I need you to play at the top of the hour for four times. And I was like, yo, this shit whack. Nigga gave me $200. I said, oh, no. <laughs> you know, and that's just a little college radio station. So, I, bro, I've heard, I've heard of labels taking DJs on Jamaican vacations. And this is back in the 90s. I know Jamaica ain't nothing now, but I'm talking about back in the 90s. Like, there was something. like you know, like, so Payola's been around since day one. And what's that to do? To influence people to go buy stuff. So I wouldn't put it past Rich Paul. He's a Rich Paul you know, dude, I wouldn't put it past Rich Paul to be sliding, you know, Stephen A. Yo, here's a hundred K. Yo, don't, don't, don't shit on Ben, man. You know, talk positive. That. Absolutely. You I mean, I think that that's really the nature of um, all media. You yeah. know I mean? Like, except for like independent media, all, all media has its, uh, its main sources of income. Right. And then that leaves it um vulnerable to payola all the time you know and you know I, I was just explaining to my dad the other day about um the news you know i was telling him some stuff that he hadn't heard on the news and he's like well how come that's this isn't on the news i said because this news station is you know what i mean it's back you know they're they're being paid by people this is about advertisements. So, right. you know, I, I had said something and he was like, well, I, I never heard that before. And it's like, well, that's that's the, that's the good part of life. You know what I mean? You get to learn new stuff, you know what I mean, from different sources and stuff, you know? But that's, that's why I, I think sometimes um, people kind of get it confused. They, they think that what's being put in front of them is the only thing. Right. And it's like, no, that's not, that's never been the case. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's never been the case. Yeah. But I mean, like I said, I get how people can't, wouldn't believe that, you know, because, you know, like I said before, you know, I've seen the five heartbeats. I heard about payola, but until I literally saw it myself, it's, it's like when you, it's like that time in the whiz when, you know, they, they, they peeped around the curtain and they saw Richard Pryor. Like, yeah. like you really ain't, <laughs> The Wizard of I, like you just no. dude, you know what I mean? And it's like once you put your head behind that curtain, I mean that that's money well spent. If I'm Rich Paul, shit, I'd be trying to pay people off. Like yo, yo, don't shit on Ben. Like yo, big him up. <laughs> Part of that was probably too was trying to trade for trade James Harden. Right, right. You know what I mean? Because it was yeah. just hard to me. Because after the Harden trade, yeah. then just like the roof, the the floor fell out. Everybody was talking about Ben Simmons. Nobody been saying nothing bad about Ben. A year ago, people were saying get rid of Embiid and keep Ben. Now all of a sudden, it's like, oh, Ben Simmons hasn't gotten better. Ben Simmons needs to get a jump shot. And I'm like, y'all been saying this for five years, and y'all been looking at me like I'm crazy. Now, <laughs> at the same time, like, what happened? The hush money went out. Like, how do y'all do that? But, but yeah, man, yeah, but yeah. So that that's how I got into to the music. But like you said, sight, it's a million things that I do, good brother. That's funny. Uh, like. When I was on Twitter, that was the first community of people where everybody knew me as sight. You know what I mean? Like that, that it's not everybody, you know. Uh I had because I haven't really always put myself out there like no, that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like on Twitter, it was just like I remember I used to be so amused. It's like this is that's this is the shit. Like these people know me as sight. Yo, so, right. I don't, like, I don't, I don't 
And, and people be getting at me like, yo, what's up with Sight? I'd be like, yo, I still rap with him. He ain't on Twitter no more. But <laughs> I t- when we first started doing the podcast and you were like, oh, I'm on Twitter. So I started looking you up on Twitter. I'm like, I can't for, find him. Yeah, you're looking for I'm my, looking for Will. Looking for my government. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I can't find Will. <laughs> and then, like, obviously I figured it out. But I was like, this is, this is not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, man. But that, that, that was cool. I, you, you had so many cool people around you on there. And, and, and you know, everybody was, you know, he, supportive you know everybody was it was nobody was trying to tear each other down or nothing like that uh you know i thought that that was a really uh, that was a really special a special time you know what i mean because i i really got to to see kind of what social media could be if it weren't so like hateful <laughs> and like you know what i mean so so you know uh, the one thing that kind of got me off there is that I, like, I remember thinking, I was like, man, like I'll be trying to throw jewels out there, mm-hmm. you know? And then people be like, ah, whatever. And then somebody say some crazy shit about a Kardashian or something like that. Oh, it's a, billion. a billion retweet, a billion likes, you know? It's just like, man, like I'm, I'm, I gotta stop driving myself crazy thinking that, uh, I mean, it is kind of nuts to think like, man, I, I I need to get these likes or something like like that's that's a different way of thinking. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a, nobody before social media thought like that. Like, the funny thing is, man, is that you know I always tell people, man, you can you can use um, social media the right way. The beautiful thing, that you know, yeah, yeah. and it's you know I, I only got on social media because back in '09, I think MOP had jacked me for a beat. And I remember reading about this. It's all that's a Wikipedia. That's on Wikipedia. <laughs> um, and after the situation came out, people found out that I did it. People was like, "Yo, where can we get at you?" And I was like, "Oh shit!" Because I was against social media. I was like, "Yo, this shit whack." <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to people I don't know. Like I'm telling people where I'm at all the time. People gonna run in my crib because I'm like, "Yo, I'm I'm in New York for the weekend. I'm gonna get right." So I was against social media until then. And people was like, "Yo, how can we get at you?" And, um, and that's what made me start, you know, We'll Make Beats for Food, my website, and getting on Twitter and everything like that. Um, and then what, what I was trying to do, so number one, from that situation, I was blessed that a lot of people followed me from that, um, that were producers and music heads. And then what I would do is um, me and my man Ev had a T-shirt line out, um, and it was going to be all about, like, vinyls and, 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 and stuff about records. So I was like, all right, well, who... Who would be interested in these t-shirts and i was like all right djs producers you know diggers so like every sunday because i've been on twitter for maybe 12 years so every sunday i would go to like a dj jazzy jeff's page look at all of his followers if the bio sounded like you would be interested in buying a t-shirt i'd follow you and hope you would follow me back so over the years i've been able to build like uh the people who follow me and the people i follow we all have the same interests you know what i mean yeah. So it's like being very strategic in who I follow. And I follow some niggas who just, you know, be on some bullshit just to get some laughs. But that may be 5%, you know. Mm-hmm. But So when people, my even my teens and my teens, they be like, yo, you on Twitter all day. But I said, it's like, it's like cheers back in the day. Like, you know, everybody knows your name. I know I can go on Twitter and I can talk about all the things. <laughs> you know, I can talk about hip hop, polo, sneakers, record, beat, haircuts beards, like everything that I'm sixes, everything that I love, 
because I've like strategically set up my Twitter like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you don't do it that way, then you, you, you're followed by a bunch of people you really don't know. And maybe y'all don't have the same interests and things like that. So like That's you true. said, man, it's a blessing to be able to have met so many dope people. Like I went to LA um, last year and it was like a love fest for me, man. It's like, as soon as I landed, like people was like, yo, like I would get dropped off at the hotel by one person, get picked up an hour later by somebody else. And that's crazy. That's and, all, and these are all people I've never met face to face, but people that I've been communicating with for five and six and seven years, you know, on Twitter. That's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. And that's, that's, and I'm glad, I'm glad because it's like, um, you know, I see a lot of producers, you know, they try to bend to the times, you know right. what I mean? Like they'll, they'll hear a certain type of sound and they'll be like, all right, well, you know, you know how people, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll post stuff. They'll be like, this is a Drake type beat, right? that type of stuff. You know what I mean? And you're staying true to what moves you right. as opposed to um, letting somebody, you know, sculpt your taste. You right. know what I mean? Like, and it's not that it's not one. Uh, I never got from you that it was a situation where it was like, um, he's hating on uh, the, the the new stuff, and he does he did you know? I never got that. It was just you're trying to uh, bring a certain element. Yeah, and and here's the thing: I tell people this all the time because people be like, "Kill you, the old man, get off my lawn," and I said, "Here." Here's the stigma that we're going to break about the old man get off my lawn shit. Number one, I take pride in my lawn. I spend a lot of money on my lawn. So if kids are on my lawn, I'm going to tell you to get the fuck off. And, <laughs> yeah. and that's okay. When I was growing up in Philly and people would be like, we'd be playing football in the middle of the street, knocking people's car mirrors off and, and denting people's cars. The parents should have been like, yo, stop hitting my car. Like. Yeah. As a child, you think, oh, they just hate it. When you become an adult, you should understand, I paid good money for that car. I don't want to have to try to figure out who broke my mirror or who broke my windshield, and now I got to pay out of pocket. So there's nothing wrong with saying get off my lawn. And I tell people number two all the time, music is about what speaks to you. Yeah, and That should be what it is. Like, I'm not debating with nobody. I tell people every day, I'm on Twitter to discuss things, not debate it. I don't want to, because a debate will mean I'm trying to change your mind. I don't give a fuck about you enough to want to change your mind. So if somebody's, my man Scorp, this dude I met in Atlanta when I was living at ATL, he told me Smooth B was the best hip hop artist ever. Smooth B. Smooth B. I said, dog, I don't even think Smooth B the nicest dude in his group, let alone the dopest rapper ever. But here's the thing. I don't want to debate that with you. If you think Smooth B is the dopest ever, that's dope. I'm going to want to discuss it with you, though. You're going to have to break it down to me. Like, what's Smooth B and said that puts him in a higher tier? <laughs> you know, Kane and G-Rap and Rakim and Nas and Big, but I don't want to change your mind. You know what I mean? And people will get on Twitter and try to do that. Like, I, I'm not a big core mega fan. And people be like, but did you hear this? Did you hear Mega? <laughs> and I said, my dude, if I told you I don't like tomatoes, would you be like, but you never had my Auntie Rosie's tomatoes? <laughs> Have you ever gotten a, a, a turkey roasted sub at Subway with tomatoes on it? Nah, it would simply be, oh, kill don't like tomatoes. All right, cool. End of the story. <laughs> the same way with music. I'm not saying Cormega's whack. I just he doesn't he doesn't That's speak. Not... Music. What and, is and it that... about his, what is it about his flow that that uh, irritates you? Because I it's think just... I know. 
I think I know. It sounds like he's getting punched in every bar. Like, <laughs> every bar. Like, he goes in there and says one line. And it's like, all right, hold up. Let's go again. Punch me. Like, that's what it sounds like to me. And again, you got people who love Cormac. And I'm like, yo, that's a beautiful thing. Like, to me, that's when you put the culture above yourself. I'm like, yo, I'm glad people love Cormega because you know what that's doing? That's keeping my culture moving forward. If we all hated Cormega, now there's a man out there who can't feed his family, who can't, you know, he's moving the culture forward. So if I don't if I don't feel Cormega, that's that's cool. Like, you know, it, it shouldn't be no problem because the bigger picture is hip hop is still moving forward. But people get so caught up in you should like what I like. And then you should do this. I think JD's the best produ- hip hop producer ever. People disagree. Cool. No problem. I'm not, you know, now if you ask me, well, Kill, why do you think that? I'll tell you. But if you don't ask, I'm not going to start blowing up your inbox with, did you hear Dilla on this? And did you hear what he did? Yeah. Dog, I don't give a fuck what you like. Like, and it's not being disrespectful. No. I just don't, you know, so I don't care enough to go through all that work because, like you said, like, I do so much. So I can't waste five hours trying to convince you. That Dill is the best producer ever. That's five yeah. hours. I could have been helping the team, writing the script, spending time with my wife. Like, I can't take that time. Now, if you tell me at 46, all I care about is a bag right now. If you tell me if I can convert you to be a Dilla fan, there's $500 in it for me, let's go. Line <laughs> me up. Let's go. I got all night for this. But if it's at the end of the day, if I do all that and you be like, you know what, Kill, you're right. Dilla is the <laughs> and that, That's it. All I get is a, is a you're right. No, you get that ain't worth five hours of my time. So, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's, that, that's, that's the respect factor of, you know, hey, you, let's agree to disagree. Like, it's all good. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just the, that's not just a music thing either. You oh, know? Yeah, that's, that's becoming clear I, because, man, I'm, I'm watching, you know, um, I watch, I, I see so many people, you know, things are real divided, you know what I mean? Just in general, just in, in, in society. And it's uh, sometimes I look at it. And I said, "Well, what is it?" And I said, "Oh, people don't want to admit that they can be wrong, and they need to be right." Right. It's like I tell a person from the jump, I could be dead wrong. You know what I mean? Like I could say something to somebody, and I'll tell you, I could be wrong about this. But there's a certain type of person in the world who can't admit to you. That they could possibly be wrong, right? You know what I mean, like, and and that's the ones that are gonna, like, why would somebody really blow up your spot talking about a rapper? You know what I mean, like, trying to convince you of how? I mean, I get it if you if you like him, you know that, but to to take a considerable amount of time out of your life to try to explain something that really has no real ramification. Is that's just you needing to be right. That's all that is. It's it's a, point, it's a point of them needing to be right, bro, but it's also a point of, I always tell people this from working, you know, I've been working in the hoods of D.C. for the past 20 years in different projects and bad neighborhoods in D.C. And one of the things that I see every day in the neighborhoods is that there's a love deficit in the world. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's not just in the hood. It's in the world. There's a love deficit. And and people don't feel love. People don't feel like they have a click. And what happens with social media is, and to me, this is why we have the stand phenomenon. You know, there's yeah. a big difference between a fan of somebody and a stand of somebody. A stand of somebody is going to cat for that person 
Like like Slim's Charles said in, in the Y, if it's a lie, then we fight on that lie. You know what I mean? So you still cat for that person no matter what. And it's why we have so many stands because they, they can all come together. All the Eminem stands and all the Jay-Z stands can just come together and, and fight as one. It's like fucking Voltron. It's like everybody coming together. You know what I mean? But I, I say it jokingly, but bruh, it's, it's a serious a serious issue where people like really look to these people as like their savior, like, like, mm-hmm. like Jay-Z, like is really like somebody's like God, like, and that's the scary part. That's, you know, I grew up, I tell people all the time, I grew up, I was the biggest big daddy Kane fan in the world. You know what I mean? The biggest, not just off the rounds, but I came up in a time when being dark skinned was not the shit. Like there you go right there. There you go right there. It's King. I mean, being dark skin was not the shit. I, I had girls be like, kill you cute and all, but you too dark for me. I'm dead ass. Like, and then Kane came out and it was like I just became the most popular person on the planet. Like Kane is like the Rosa Parks for dark skin. <laughs> but at the end of the day, when Kane dropped that third album, Taste of Chocolate, I was like, nah, this ain't it. Like, yo, this this shit is not good. You know what I mean? So even though I love this dude, this dude set me free, damn near. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I can still admit, like, nah, this album ain't good. See, a stand can't do that. A stand will listen to an album and be like, yo, this shit sucks. But we got to get on Twitter and make it sound real good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I reviewed, um, what, what is this? This is um TT3. Um, I reviewed this Benny joint, uh, Tana Talk 3. Uh-huh. And- I gave it four and a half mics and somebody on Twitter got at me. was like, yo, I thought you fuck with Griselda. I was like, I do. I love Griselda. And he was like, well, why you ain't giving five mics then? And I was like, cause I think it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? See, that's a stand. See, a stand is when you say, yo, I think this album is three mics, but I really got to say it's five mics because if I was a fan, if I'm a real fan of Benny, I would want him to have five mics album every time out. So why wouldn't I say it's a five? See, that's what I mean. And that's the scary part because the Stan can't even think for themselves now. No, like, I don't know if you watch the walking dead. Um, I call, I call Stan's walkers. They're walkers. Yeah. You know, they don't have brand. They're just literally just whatever. Oh, Benny dropped a new album, five mics. I ain't even listened to it yet, but it's five mics. It doesn't it matter. Has to be. Yeah. Like you, you, you don't even think for yourself. And that's why, you know, we could joke about stands all day, but it's a scary place where people can't think for themselves anymore. You know what I mean? Or when people don't want to think for themselves anymore, you know? So, I mean, in this time, I know, you know, I, this being COVID time and stuff, it's, you know, I'm, I realized I'm looking at this differently than a lot of people. What's that? And a lot of the, a lot of the COVID, the stuff that's going on, I think, uh, you know, there's people who are so tied into the mainstream narrative of it that they can't even see that there's a different narrative. Mm. That there's people saying completely contradictory things to the mainstream narrative. And I was just talking to somebody at my job th- about this the other day because, you know, I work at a you know, medical marijuana, you know, grow house, you know. And I was talking to this dude and I was telling him, I said, you know, us being people who are advocates of marijuana, that already puts us in an alternative place, right? Mm-hmm. We have to 
in order to even be here, we have to come from an alternative narrative, you know? And then I came to him, I said, well, there's here we are in this time now, and I'm seeing all of the people, uh, I heard somebody say, all the blue check people, all the celebrities, mm-hmm. all of these people are on what seems to be a script, and nobody is willing to talk personally or to really get I, I think there's a lot of people who are just kind of riding with all of this and they really don't feel like that they they're just they're obligated to because of their fame right you understand what i'm saying and you know i don't know if you've seen that rob i don't know if you've seen anything like that but i think uh part just to go kind of back what you were saying about the stand i think like a lot of people have a messiah complex is what I, like I call it. Yeah, it's like they need somebody to fix their problems, right? You know? And that's like how they they think the politicians are going to come in and just fix their problems. They're not looking to try and fix the problems themselves, and that's how we kind of get to where we are. Like, I don't know. I have a whole kind of weird thing about the COVID thing because my wife is a nurse and she deals with it all the time. And like, I was going to say, how are y'all families? Are y'all good? Like, have y'all? I mean, we've had it twice. Okay. So the first time I had it like a year ago, it was pretty bad. I mean, and then my wife, we were we were pretty sick. Mm-hmm. And then this we had it like three weeks ago, two three weeks ago. And uh, I mean, it wasn't bad at all. We okay. just, my wife was kind of sick, but she works with it. She's a nurse at a nursing home. But they had like, I mean, they had thirty two people die in a month at the nursing home. That's so great. it's kind of like. I get what you're saying. Like, there's so many different angles to it, mm-hmm. but then I see that. Like, to me, that's like I see this going on, and like, you know, she's been a nurse for 20 years. That ain't never. There ain't been never been that many people that died, you know, in that short period of time. Mm-hmm. And like, and she describes what happens to them, and she can. All that she has to see is one symptom, and she knows like three days later they're gonna pass away. That's great. Which, which is yeah. crazy to me, mm-hmm. but yet I also know that what's going on, in my opinion, what's going on is there's a lot of nonsense going on. Right. Like they just they on Wednesday they handed they gave they showed up to give the vaccines to everybody, um, and they pretty much made all the people that are there at the nursing home the uh, take the vaccine, and then they asked my wife if she had one to take it. We don't believe in taking vaccines, so. She said no, and then she brings this paper home, you know, saying, you know, what's in the vaccine, and you know, it's not a, it's not even approved by the FDA, and all these things, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's just, it's like a whole weird thing. Like I see these people dying, but I don't, like I wear the mask a lot. Like I was wearing it at work, but then once I got sick, once I recovered from it, I know I'm immune to it for a certain period of time. So right. like I'm not, I stopped wearing it now for a little bit around people but I still wear it when I go into stores. Like I'm one of like 20 people that wear it at work, mm. you know? So it's kind of like, for me, like I see it from her angle and I see what goes on out in the world and see the nonsense that I know that there's, like you said, you can come up with 20 different reasons to for the wear mask and somebody else can come up with 20 different reasons not to wear it. Yeah. Right. So who's, who's giving us the facts? Who's checking the fact checkers, right? You know, like at the end of the day, so we're so and we're so divided that it's so easy just to to you know to 
put that wedge in there and just drive it even harder, yeah. you know? And I just, it's like such a hard, and then I see the amount of money, like Pennsylvania, that gives every, for every positive COVID um, test they get, the state gets $70,000 Damn, right. federal government. So, you know, it's like, which every state does. Right. Every state gets a certain monetary amount. They all, I don't know why it differs, but they all do. So then there's so much money involved in all this. And it's just like, yeah, that's, you know, that's been my point. I think the entire time, man, it's just like, I, my heart goes out to everybody who's, yeah. who's been negatively affected by it. Like it's the, but the thing that was like making me boil inside was like, I'm watching all these people die. And then I'm, because I'm listening to other things. I'm listening to a doctor who said that he had had treatments where he was 80% of the people who he had treated survived and and because he, he had a particular protocol that he was using. So I'm like, yeah, this is real that it's happening and people are dying. But just because one thing is happening doesn't mean that something else isn't going on here because right. I see a bunch of opportunists. Right. This this is the biggest opportunity for a lot of people. The dude who the dude who had uh, um, that uh, Moderna, the, the 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 they were making a vaccine. Their their CEO, he just became a billionaire. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he he just became a billionaire. I'm just like when you're dealing with that kind of money yeah. in a global situation, I would be a fool to think that somebody wasn't working this in order to become wealthier. What I know is that there's a lot of studies out there that just simply taking vitamin D, which I take every day, I take vitamin C, vitamin D, census every, every day has shown that you're, it's not going to stop you from getting it. You're going to get it, but the symptoms you're going to get are just mild symptoms. Right. And the fact that we're talking about a, a bottle that costs $10 for a month, you know, to take for a month, I'm sure, you know, it, it, everybody's going to be different, but most of, you know, this is remedies that are simple, straightforward and aren't, you know, pharmaceutical companies aren't banking off every day. You know, every vaccine they put on the, you know, for every uh, one vaccine is worth like 78 or not so $38 billion a year profit. So, I mean, that's all that, that's all you need to tell somebody in the pharmaceutical company. How much is it worth? Yeah, let me find uh, we'll find a problem and then we'll also find the cure. You right. know, so it, it, to me, it's like all these things are going on. And at the, at the end of the day, people are dying and they're willing to let those people die for the for the almighty dollar. And the, and the hard part is, is like you said, in the, in the vaccine isn't even a cure. No. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's the other kicker. Like people are thinking of it like, oh, they found a cure. And it's like, now the vaccine is not the cure. The cure would be like, yo, I got COVID right now. I'm about to die. You give me a shot. And then two days I feel better and I get up and walk away. Like Chris Rock said years ago, the money ain't in the cure. The money's in the medicine. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, in a minute, they're going to be like, oh, you got to get another vaccine shot. You know, we already got to get two. Then may end up, you got to get four a year. And, and then I just a, heard that they're doing, uh, they, they're already planning boosters. Yeah. All, they're already planning this because they got these different variants out here. And then that doesn't cover everything. And it's yeah. like, I heard a guy say, I was listening to a doctor's, this doctor's podcast. He was saying, he said, we're, 
we're masking the real problem here. The real problem here is that we are like the sickest nation on the face. Of, like we're one of the sickest nations on the planet. And that's probably why we're getting hit so hard with this because it's like they talk about people who have comorbidities and things. And there's a lot of like, it's in our food, it's in our air, it's in our water, it's in all, it's all these different places to be, uh, you, you know, you can, you can take on this toxic stuff and then, you know, something comes like this and yeah, it's going to take people out because they're already not in good health. We're, we don't, you know, like he said on the, on the thing, he says over 600,000 people die every year of heart disease. And I mean, it's not only we're not in good health, but, and I don't know if this is true because there's so much fake news. I read an article there in some part of Australia, like they're good. They're back to concerts. They're back to all that because they just shut down. They was like, yo, we ain't going nowhere for two months. We're going to nip this shit in the bud and it's over. with." And over here, again, it goes back to what I said about you, Sight. You listen to older people. People don't want to listen. People don't want to be told they can't go nowhere. You know what I mean? Truth be told, so much of this is just people going to die because of boredom. They can't sit down in the house. You know, I have a disease fibromyalgia. So when this shit hit, you know, me and my family have been super strict on COVID. We don't go nowhere. I'm like Gilligan's Island over here. Right? <laughs> outside, outside of going to work. And that's only like one day of work. And my job, we get we get COVID tested every week. If it comes back negative, you can't work. You know, so. Yeah. I, I can't take the chance of getting COVID or even a vaccine because I don't know how that's going to fuck around with my fibromyalgia. You know what I mean? So yeah. I haven't been to Philly. I haven't seen my moms. We haven't left Maryland. This is the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area. We have not gone anywhere. You know what I mean? And I feel like if everybody, not saying, well, I mean, we haven't had it, but if, if everybody did something like that, I don't think we're still here a year later. You know, but when you still got people going to Miami, my people's in Florida, like, yo, people down here ain't even wear a mask at all, nowhere. People in Texas. I seen Bow Wow having a goddamn concert. People really risking it all for Bow Wow? Like, yo, like, <laughs> you know, like, yo, it's like Bow Wow got 4,000 people up here not wearing masks. Like, you really ready to die or get COVID for Bow Wow? So pe people, like, my man hit me up, like, yo, such such niggas got shopped in the strip club in Houston. Nigga, the strip club still open? Like, I'm, I'm still dumbfounded that places are still open and people are still going. My man sent me an article in New York, like some crazy 600 people sex orgy shut down in Queens. Like, yo, during a, a pandemic. So folk just can't sit down. You know, a lot of it, though, has a lot to do with the fact that, like, like we've all seen a bunch of movies in our lives, right? We've all seen the, the zombie, the zombie <laughs> disease pandemic take over the world. We've all seen situations like that. And I think a lot of this has to do with the fact it's like, like I was saying to somebody the other day, it's like, if there's a global pandemic, why why are people playing? Why is the NBA going? Why is the NFL going? Why why are these things that are highly lucrative and possible? And that's not, that's not me saying that, 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 that's, that there's not a pandemic. That's me saying if it's really that, I remember uh, George that. Hill got George Hill. He got he got in yep. trouble not too long yep. ago for saying that. He's saying if this is so dangerous that I can't, because now now you can't now you can't hug people. Yeah, but he's saying if it's so serious that you can't hug a person, what am I doing lining up against this dude on this court? Like the hug 
Basketball is physical. Football is physical. You're gonna be in somebody's face. That's like it's it's gonna happen. So it's like that. I think there's a lot of mixed signals of how much how how much does a person uh, need to be worried. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot of that out here. Yeah, I think the, that's where we get the break. You see all these things, and you know, unfortunately, a lot of stuff is politically driven, right? Yeah. So you see one side that's like, you know, wear a mask, you know, all these things going on, and the other side is, you know, pop, you know, they're like anti-mask in general. And we live in a very conservative area, so you know, when I go to work. Everybody there is pretty much a conservative, so I'm the one guy wearing, you know, wearing the mask. And it's like, I think that's where the breakdown is. Like we we get we we have this bias, and then right away we attach something to the bias, and then right away it's like, oh, I can't do that, you know, because that person on the other side that I don't get along with or have different views with with, you know, they must be doing it because they want to, you know, infringe on my rights, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, like the mask doesn't bother me. Like I don't really care about the mask, you know. Like, and I understand, but I understand people's. I also get the 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 coming from hey, it infringes on my rights kind of thing. I get that, but at the end of the day, it's you know, like I said, I struggle because I see the people dying in my wife's work. I see my wife come home, she's upset. You know, you know, it's it's, and I'm not saying the people that. Don't see that. It's hard for them. It's hard for a family. If you have a, a group, a, a whole family sitting at home and none of them have ever been affected by it, it's also hard for them to understand that. Right. You know, so like, and I, I think that happens a lot. Like they, they're like, well, none of my family is sick. None of us been sick. None of us. Grandma hasn't died. Grandma, you know, pop-up's still here, whatever, you know, and they're like, well, the, you know, this is all crazy. And like, you know, and I mean, it's just so, um, it's so complex and so many different, you know, and the other thing is when people are sitting at home, the other thing about that is like, sometimes your home life sucks, you know, yeah. and like, you know, that's some of us, because you also got to think of, again, I'm out in these projects. You got 12 people living in a two bedroom apartment. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. it's a different situation. You know what I mean, like think about them high rises in Queensbridge where you talking about 40 floors and people just already on top of each other, but they could go to school, they could go to work, they could, you know, you could go places. Yeah. Now you just stuck in that. I mean, that that's enough to drive. I mean, there's gonna be so many mental problems after this. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Just having to deal with the, I mean, you know. Me doing some trainings with my teens. I mean, like for my daughter, she graduated eighth grade last year, but she didn't get to graduate. You know, yeah. the family didn't get to come down. She just got accepted to this dope new high school. She was super hyped to go to. She can't do that. Hmm. You know what I mean? So you got the, the kids who were seniors who they, they worked their whole life to go to prom and graduate. And yeah. you, you got nothing. You know what I mean? Like, and I know for me, if I, Getting out the hood of Philly and getting away to go to Morgan State, if they would have told me, like, nah, campus is closed, you can't come, and I'm like, I'm still stuck in the hood, I probably would have been like, fuck it, I ain't going to. Yeah, just you know what I mean, you know, like, yo, I'm going to yeah. work my whole life for this moment, and now the moment's gone. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? But anywhere, you know, so I, I, I get, like you said, man, it, it's, it's so much, it, it's so much. And, you know, to be honest with you, man, like, music has kind of just been the safe haven for me, man. 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. I know I know we started with Twitter and all that, but I mean, you know, that that's been, you know, being able to, you know, get my mind off of things is doing my podcast and, and being on people's podcast and being able to get on Twitter and go back and forth with people about stuff. Cause at least get your mind off of it. You know, yeah. when it, when it first happened, when COVID first hopped on, I was on CNN all day, every day. Go sleep. <laughs> go sleep. You know, it was like, all right, yo, I need a fucking break. Cause you know, the numbers ain't going down. They'll hit you with numbers. that ticker. They don't, they don't give you a ticker on how many people survived it. They give you a ticker. I was watching this. I was watching this in China on Twitter. Like mm. at work, I'm like, and this one, I'll never forget this one day is like, did you see this on Twitter? I'm like, nah. And like this one guy, we talk back and forth. And he's like, they're like welding people's doors shut in China. So right away, as soon as I see that concept, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So, and it's like the middle of the day in Singapore and there ain't one person on, on the, you know, the track, the train going to work or nothing. I'm like, okay, something is up here. And next thing you know, there's like these big trucks, like like shooting shit into the air and stuff. I'm like, what the, you know? And see, the thing about that, bro, is that, you know, when I tell people, you know, about the vaccine, I'm not, you know, I'm, 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 you can ask me any day. One day I'm for it, one day I'm not, one day I am. I'm just like, yo, I seen I am legend when we cure cancer. And then people, <laughs> <laughs> people be like, come on, kill, but that's a movie. And I'm like, everything you just explained about what you saw in China sounds like a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, we right. just happened at the Capitol here in D.C. That shit looked like something off the dark night. The, so, I don't believe any of that stuff that happened there. So it's like people are like, yo, this shit, you know, looks. I'm like, yo, look, turn on your TV. Everything looks like a movie outside. Yeah. You know what I mean? well, so, the, the movies, I think they play such a vital part in shaping how we see the world. Like we'll, we'll watch a movie and then, and, and then we'll be like, looking for stuff like that out in the world yeah. you know it's and with this you know it's just we've seen some like you said i i am legend oh uh, we've seen the scenario of the world pandemic that threatened to destroy civilization and that's what kind of people is it's kind of what's in people's head but now even the people uh you know who you know people said they were gonna fight and they, they've been fighting the virus and stuff. Now they're kind of all starting to say, like, look, we might have to deal with COVID forever. Oh, it's not going anywhere. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, this might be a situation that we're going to have to start to live with. Yeah. And that's why I think that, the, you know, most likely they're going to continue to push more and more vaccines. It'll be similar to, you know, how it is with the flu shot. You know, it's like. You already said there's some new strain that. The Vaccine that people get now may not be against, and then somebody oh, said it was in like, South Carolina and it came right, from it's a, uh, it's it's a a South Africa. One. Yeah, the South Africa one. So it, it's just gonna keep, you know. So, but like I said, for me, it's because even when I'm talking to my teens and other people, it's like, yo, how do we deal with this? You got to find that happy place. You got to find out what can make you happy. You got to try to do something with this time because you you can go crazy. I mean, Rob, you bring up a great point. You know people's home lives aren't that great. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got you got some people who like, yo, I got to get to work to see my work wife. I got to go to work. <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping it a buck with you. Like, real. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely no. real. That's absolutely In the marriage coaching I do, you're, you're seeing more people talking about divorces and breaking up. And I'm like, yo, everybody could just push a pause button because this wasn't the way the game was supposed to be. You're not supposed to be on top of each other every month. My, my daughter is supposed to go to school, enjoy her time at her friend's, 
come home and tell me a new story. And T is supposed to go to work. No, like we're not supposed to be around each other every day. All you, anybody's gonna. My best friend in the world is gonna get on my nerves if I gotta be around him every day, all day for a year. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm yeah. just like put a pause on it because you know people are like I ain't really know who I was married to. Like no, <laughs> yeah. I did, you know? But you know that. If if a dude is like yo like sight you ball like if if God forbid if you wasn't able to play ball for a year who knows what that would do to your psyche because well, then it's already killing that, me that, I haven't and, played in like seven months yeah. but, that, but, but that's what I mean like people yeah. aren't thinking yeah. about when you take away somebody's happy place yeah yeah because keep in mind this forget about COVID you could just go saying trying to be married with kids and yeah. going to a job every day period in a in a wonderful world yeah. you could already in be a wonderful married. world yeah. You know? yeah. And but you have your happy place. You you play ball. You go you go play poker with your boys. You 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 go. We all have something we do that keeps us happy. You know, I'm just blessed that the bulk of what I do is in the house. It's making beats. It's doing a podcast. It's being on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like I'm just blessed that I have those things. But for the person who has to go outside and like, yo, I, I had season tickets to see the Wizards. Like that person is losing their mind right now because they can't go see the Wizards. That person who loves tailgating at the Eagles game every week, and you know, you you don't have that. So I'm just always telling people you got to slow down because so much of the stuff that keeps us or has kept us sane for years isn't here no more. No. You know? So it doesn't mean that your wife ain't right for you or you ain't right for your wife or you hate your kids. It's just no, you hate the pandemic and what's going on. With and yeah. you got to try to find a way to kind of deal with that because, okay, you're going to get a divorce. Where the fuck you going to go? <laughs> That's a great question. Where you going to go? So, you know, so it's like, you, let's, 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 let's plan this out here. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just trying to find that, that happy, that happy place to like, you know, me and Naomi are doing more stuff together, listening to records more, her, <laughs> her, me and her mixing them pro tools, like oh, you know, find something to, to do. To you know, you know, me and T watching more movies. Like, yo, well, let's make a movie day, but we just gonna watch thrillers. And at the end of the day, <laughs> we'll rate what was the best thriller. Like, you gotta find something to do because if not, then like you said, we'll we'll be complaining about it all day. But you know, and early on in our marriage, me and T said that, like, yo, if you got a beef with something, it's your it's your problem. It's your job to solve it. So if you if you bored in the marriage, you come up with something to make it more exciting. Like. You know, so it's like, yo, you and, and I'm like that way. I work with my staff. If, if you got a beef with something, come up with come up with a solution. Like, give me some ideas to fix it. But just don't come to me with the problem. You know, yeah. be and, and I think that's where a lot of people aren't. They're like, well, here's the problem. And here's the problem. And here's the problem. It's like, OK, but what are we going to do? Yeah. You know, how are we going to solve this problem? So, yeah. And that's that's the reason why, you know, like. Uh, the other day when I was talking to my dad because he he he's a security guard at a at a hospital and you know he he's he's uh, he's like sixty he's in his mid sixties and you know he's contemplating whether or not he wants to get the vaccine and uh and I know why he wants to get it you know he 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 said well I just don't want to get it I don't he doesn't want to get COVID. And I said but you got to understand something just because you get that doesn't necessarily mean that you won't get it. That that's another thing. But see, that's the twist. And what, what what Rob was saying is that this isn't a cure, and so many people it's, not a cure. it's a cure. Like maybe only until a couple of weeks ago, I thought, yeah, if you got the vaccine, then you couldn't get COVID. Then a couple of weeks ago, my homegirl who's a nurse was like, nah, you can still get it. It just won't be as hard. So that's the thing. Like a lot of people are thinking the vaccine is the cure because when you get the flu shot, 
you're thinking in your mind, well, at least I am, I won't get the flu this year. You know what I, I mean? Yeah. You know, think, but that's not even, yeah, and that's never really, I know a bunch of people, you, you know, who say, like, I talked to so many people and they said, I never had the flu until I got the vaccine. And I was like, that's crazy. I mean, I never had a flu vaccine, but it's like, well, this, this is the thing about it. It's just a situation where it's like, I remember hearing like a while ago that there was like a Bible passage or something that said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Uh-huh. And the reality of that in when you bring that out into the world is, is that, you know, like I explained to my dad, it's like when I first heard about COVID, people know I, I'm a researcher. Like I research things. Like I'm, I'm going to start to try to figure out how do I, cause it was scary. Like it was to anybody else, but, but you know, it was like, like, it's hard to research something that's brand new. Like, if you want to become a vegetarian, you could sit there and do the research and kind of figure out, okay, this is what red meat can do to the body and over time. But we talking about a brand new smack. I mean, I, I'm not saying you can't research. No, no, I hear you. I'm saying it, it's very hard to research something that the, the, the top officials and the top doctors don't even know what it is because it's brand new. You know what I mean? So that's the hard part about it and, and so many people not knowing which way to move because i think if it was this if you got covid and you dropped dead i think people you know would be taking it a lot more serious but because people can get covid and you have some people get covid and can just get well at home and in 14 days they're back you got people who get covid and have to go to the hospital you got people who go get covid go to the hospital and have to get on a ventilator then you had you know what i mean so because there's so many levels of it if it was just cut and dry like you get covid you're dead yeah i, I think would be, you know, people would have been like, oh shit, I'm keeping my ass home or I'm not yeah. going on that vacation. What makes, me, what makes me nervous with the vaccine, like my, my dad's wife, she has like, she has heart problems and stuff and like, right. so I had conversation with her about the vaccine. I was like, you know, what are you going to do? She's like, oh, I'm taking it. She's like, but so, because in her mind, once she gets that vaccine, she's not getting she's COVID. Safe. She's right. safe. So my concern is now she's going out in public thinking that in her mind she's safe and she's almost more vulnerable now because if it's not going to protect her, she has more of a chance to get it, you know? So, you know, and now my dad's like 70, so he's he's pretty healthy for a 70-year-old. But still, I mean, you know, I got him on vitamin D. I got him on this stuff called chaga. We were like all about chaga and like, yeah, well, it's Bert's. Birch tree extract. Oh, that's what that is. Yeah, it's birch tree extract. So, you know, obviously they're gonna they have this false sense of 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 I I don't know what I want to say, but false sense of you know security. Security, thank you. That and then next thing you know, they're just out and they're gonna still wear a mask, but you know but you just feel some kind of way. It's like almost like it's a bad analogy, but it's almost like you got the gun on you. Like you feel you got a sense of confidence that anybody stepped to you, you're right. like you're protected. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're like you saying in actuality, you may not be protected. So I mean, it it it's it's it, it's a sad day, man. It's a sad it's a sad times. But you know, I'm always just challenging people. We gotta find you know something positive to do with ourselves so that we we don't go crazy. You know, I'm challenging people to write that book you always been wanting to write. You know. Learn how to do shit. I'm trying to learn how to fly a fly damn airplane on YouTube. <laughs> 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 that ass. Like I was like, this, this is over. I think I want to learn how to. I want to take airplane lessons. I'm like, fuck it. Let me start watching YouTube. Yeah. You know, so, 
take this time to to, to figure something, you know, to in, in what ways can can I better myself? In what ways? Because I'm always I'm I'm time is like such a thing that we don't have so much of. So it's like, okay, boom. I'm blessed to be working from home three days a week. When this shit is over, if it's over, I want to be able to be on point to when it's over, I can go right back to what I was doing. You know, I'm right back in in, in these streets doing the, you know, uh, at at the Howard out here in D.C. My podcast was doing ticket giveaways for the Howard. Hell, I don't even know if the Howard and the 930 Club and other clubs are even going to be open anymore. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But the moral to the story is just when this shit is over, I want to still be on point with my scripts. I've written maybe three scripts in the past year. So, you know, just trying to stay productive, because if we don't, then, you know, I feel like we're going to lose it, man. Sight, you still writing, man? Yeah, man. You know, I'm still doing, I, I like I tell people, you know, it's, <laughs> I don't even think it's a choice. Like, sometimes, like, I'll convince myself, like, man, like, what am I writing for and stuff like that? You start to get people in your ear and they're just like, man, like, where is this going and all this stuff? But it's like, it's therapeutic to me first. Right. You know? And, it, I think it'll always be that way because I'm trying to, you know, I, I of course, like anybody, any other rapper, you know, you, you guys are like fly talking shit type songs and stuff. Like I'll be talking about how whack rappers, I'll, you know, talk about the proverbial whack rapper. But at the same time, it's like most of it is um, me giving the outlet to the things I see and the things I experience, you know, like it's, it's, it's me. It's how I get it out, you know? Um, but the, you know, the hard part about that, bro, is that we, we, we somehow got to break that stigma of hip hop. You know, when people are saying you still doing this for what? Like, for example, my mom's is a jazz musician, you know, she doesn't have records out. She doesn't have no discography, you know, but nobody's going to her house like Miss Kilpatrick. You sixty eight. Why you still got this piano? Like, why <laughs> yeah, you, really? Why yeah, still got this saxophone. Like, why you 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 ain't blow up yet? Why don't you sell all this shit? And you know what? Like, you don't do that to anybody else's art. Like, you don't come to somebody's art studio and be like, bro, why you still got these easels? Like, yo, your shit up ain't in no museums yet. Like, yeah. why you still doing this? But with hip hop, we do that. We. We have people saying, Ken, why you still got all the records? You ain't sold a beat the Nas yet, nigga. Like, yo, why? why <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but what what but why is that only in hip hop? Like if 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 somebody is, is a dancer, nobody's gonna be like, yo, you 70, like why are you still doing ballet? You ain't never gonna be with Alvin. L. But it's just hip hop, and somehow, some way we have to change that stigma that's around hip hop that you have this age limit that after this age you no longer can do hip hop or it's like, why are you still on this pipe dream? And why can't it be? I just enjoy it because when people come to my mom's house, they're just like, Oh, that's dope. Your mom, yo, her piano and, and all her instruments. Like it's never like, yo, like kill, like yo, pull me to the side. Like dog, you don't want to tell your mom, like, yo, this, this, this jazz shit ain't working for her. <laughs> like you, you know, nobody even thinks that way, but why do we think about that? Well, not me, but why do you think people think about that with hip hop? I think people, uh, I think people have never fully gotten it out of their mind that it is not a dispensable thing. Like people, I remember, like from what I understand from the history, people thought that hip hop as a music, as a form of music, you know what I mean? Because I, I, 
there is the culture that gave rise to the music. Right. And then the music, when 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 the commercial world caught wind of it, they were like, this is a fad. This is going to fade out. And I think that that's still somewhat in people's minds. And then the other part is anything that still has a cultural type of a feeling to somebody else who has the uh, trap music palette, the 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 modern music, they 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 hold everything up to modern music. They say, "Well, your music doesn't sound like this," which means you're not trying to get rich with your music, which means this is pointless, right? And it's like, I think uh, the history of hip hop. I, I remember hearing something, and they were talking about how like like the first. The first rapper to ever sign with a major label, I think, was Curtis Blow. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. He signed with CBS Records. I think it was Mercury, but neither here nor there. Was it Mercury? I think it was Mercury. CBS was what Def Jam was, the subsidiary. Okay. Um, so, like, Tila Rock, LL. Yeah. Stuff was on CBS. But that's, uh, but from what I understand, it's like, there was a time where it, it was seen that it wasn't a good thing to sign a record deal. That it wasn't because now you have the tentacles coming in and they're going to tell you what you're going to be able to talk about. How, and if you don't talk about that, you won't be marketed. And I think we've seen. Well, the good thing is the tentacles didn't really, really, really come until post straight out of Compton. Like we did an episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, like, like that's on pre and post straight out of Compton. Like, if you look at hip hop before straight out of Compton, the suits didn't know what to do with hip hop, which why to me the 80s is like my golden era of hip hop, you know, because it was kind of like just go in there and make whatever kind of music y'all make because we don't know what it's supposed to sound like. But then once out straight out of Compton dropped and it was like, yo, this sold two million records and they're cursing and you need that parental advisory sticker and everything like that. Like, I always tell people, people don't realize this. G Rap's first album, zero curse words. G Rap's first one. G Rap's first album, no curse words, not one. His second album that came out post Straight Out of Compton, probably a thousand curse words, easy. <laughs> so and then he had that one, that one album that they like banned. What was that album? Uh, like it was like it was. What was the name of that? The first one was like. Recently- like Two dudes like getting hung. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, talking about live and let die. That was the one that served. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember I was I was looking at something about G Rap the other day. Because you know, like I got this shirt on right here. You know, I got Rock Kim, I got KRS One, Kane, and and G Rap. And somebody was like, "Well, what what's so special about them?" And I said, these people are all in my MC genetics. I took things from all of these people. You know what I mean? Like, and because of that, I think I feel like I have to carry on a tradition Mm -hmm. of uh, first of all, telling the truth to my to the best of my ability. Right. Like, and then but then there's little things like with G Rap, like. 
that dude, like he 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 always sounded like he was like mad at the at the beat. That's and I feel like that. Like I feel like the beat is like disrespectful, and it's like trying to like say, man, you you won't fuck me up. And I'm like, really? Is that really how you feel? And then, like like I, I like I said, man, I think it's it's a matter of. Now, I, th- I think you hit it with that people still think that it's a fad. Rob, what do you think? Why do you think hip-hop has this cutoff date but no other genre? And not only genre of, of music, but if you meet somebody who's a 50-year-old actor who's acting in Shakespeare, nobody's going to be like, yo, come on, you're 50. Like, it, everything is like you're able to enjoy any other art except hip-hop. It's like look at Rolling Stones and, you know, those guys are like skeletons on tour. Right. And, you know, and nobody's questioning it. I mean... I don't know. It's hard for me to say. I mean, I don't understand. It's like, for me, like I grew up listening to rap music, but you know, I'm a kid in the, in the suburbs listening to rap music, you know? So like, so was I, you know? (laughs) And like, so I don't know. I don't know. It's not so much like, a part of your culture. That's, yeah, uh, you know yeah. I mean? Like it's, it's 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 something that you like, but I think to me, I, it always gave me like me. We grew up in a in similar in a similar area. He grew up in a town that was close to the town I grew up in. It's all predominantly white, you know. And me, I used hip hop as kind of like. Um, something something to ground me so to speak like something to to be like okay i know that i'm in the midst of you know the country and there's <laughs> the um, the amish are out here and all this stuff but at the same time i was also going to the city and going to chester and philly when i you know when i was a kid and i was in the na- in, in the different neighborhoods so it was like i think to me i got that influence I think first of all, like the, there's the musical aspect. It's like the stuff that your parents play influences you not just musically but culturally. So it's like I'm listening to all of these groups coming up. Like my uncle, he worked at, um, you know, he he worked down where, like Philadelphia International Records. And, you know, he 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 was like, you know, or he engineered on like OJ's albums and stuff like like. You know, so there's this cultural infusion that I think that I got, and the music means something else to me because of that. But to a lot of people who kind of just grow up with rap music as like, okay, that's cool, but there's a there's all this other stuff. It just probably has a different a different little. Uh, it's not. It doesn't. Me, it doesn't really mean the same thing. It's not really a cultural thing. Like I think for me, like, like, so when I moved into this neighborhood, there was a black family in the neighborhood. They were probably the only black family in that area. So, you know, I was the same age as as two of the kids. I was like, one was one year old, younger than me. One was, you know, one of the kids was one year older. So like I'm right in between, you know, we're play they played football, I played football, we played basketball, we did all these things. Well then like during wintertime, I remember it's like we go upstairs, they had like a Nintendo, I'm, you know, so like whatever, Atari or whatever, you know, we're playing video games. It's cold outside, we ain't going outside, but upstairs we listen to music and I'm like, 
that was the first time I ever heard rap music. And I'm like, I remember it was like KSR, KRS one. It was, you know, it was like all these different, and it's like, stuff. I'm like, what, what is this? Like, I never heard this before, you know? And to me, it's like, right away to me, it was like, okay, this is a, this is coming from a, a place that I don't know anything about. And it's a different world to me. You know, it's like, and I was, of course, then I was hooked right away, but I was also listening to, you know, your typical like rock music and like what my mom listened to all that kind of stuff. So like, but I had this new different thing come into my life and I, and I loved it and right. you know, I never looked back, but like for me to understand, I'm very grateful for those experiences because I don't believe that I would have grown up to be the same person. I think without that experience, without right. those people in my life, right. you know, the same kind of views and stuff. And, you know, and it was just fortunate. Like I think about that time that I was very lucky to move into that neighborhood at that time, right. you know, and um, I, those are like some of the, the, and, and their parents, his dad was my football coach. Okay. So like to this day, I still, you know, you know, we, he's friends with my dad. He's still friends with my dad. They have card club and stuff, you know? So like I see him on occasion and stuff and like, like for me, he was like a pretty significant person because my dad wasn't sports. He wasn't a sports guy, but I played football and I played basketball, all these things. And he was so like he was kind of like, I don't know, kind of some, somewhat important in my life at that time, you know. So like I think about those times and I realize that those times were pretty important, pretty significant in my life and realize where that came from. And it gave me, you know, I was listening like NWA. You're like you're a white kid and you're like 12 and you're like, you're listening to this while you're playing duck hunt on your, right. your Nintendo right. and shit. Right. You know what I mean? Like, this is like, what is going on here? Like, but you know, it's a, you know, now I think about it, it was amazing now, you know? Right. And you know, so I don't know, like, I don't understand why what you were asking before and what you, what you guys are talking. I don't really understand why it's that way. And I don't really have a good, you know, Insight, you know what I think it is? It's such a combination of what both of you guys are saying. Because, say, what I realized being at Morgan, everybody liked hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Everybody loved it. Then, what I realized is that when people graduated and they got married and got jobs, it's kind of like hip hop got left behind. You know what I mean? Because I'll have people who I went to Morgan with who, who I would be on the bridge with and on campus with debating hip hop with. They'll ask me, yo, you still listen to hip hop? So it's not even just about making it. It's not even, you know, they're not even like, oh, you still make beats. or you still put out albums. It's like, you even still listen to that? Like, it's, <laughs> it's beneath yeah. that. But it's like what you said. You had so many people who listened to hip hop, but didn't love hip hop, who like weren't hip hop heads. Yeah. So it, 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 what happens is that you have more people who listen than who are actual heads. Absolutely. So what happens is, now, like I said, you people have grown up and it's kind of just like, yo, kill. Like, I, I don't know. I got friends who don't know nothing about a J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar. Like, they, I'm not even talking about the people you got to dig deep to get, but like the yeah. people you, you hear every day. Now, you know, of course, they'll know about a Drake, but so I do think that that's the thing that hip hop itself to me is almost like that. It's almost like when you would go away to college or go into the military, it's like, yo, you leaving your high school girlfriend, right? Like, you ain't bringing her. Like, you're. <laughs> when you go to the next level. Like, that's cool for high school, but you really ain't gonna still mess with Shorty once you, you go in the military or you go to college or whatever like that. I feel like that's what hip-hop was. So when people graduated, 
got married. It's kind of just like, yo, you you still listen to that music? You know, and it's like, hell yeah, because Stack Selector said something, something once, and he was like, yo, if hip-hop didn't save your life, you'll never love it like we do. You know what I mean? And I know for me, Chuck D and It Takes a Nation of a Millions, when that came out in 88, I'm 14, my friends are selling drugs, and the only reason I didn't sell drugs was because of Chuck D. You know, because it was like, yo, Night of Living Bay says, like, yo, how can I say I love Public Enemy and Chuck D and I'm reading Malcolm X Speaks and the autobiography of Malcolm X all because of what Chuck D and KRS is saying and then go sell drugs. Yeah. You know what I mean? So for me, hip hop saved my life because I know if I sold drugs, even just a couple of days, my life isn't where it is right now. Maybe yeah. I get locked up, you know, so then I don't go to Morgan. I don't meet my wife and things don't fall in place. Or maybe I get shot. Maybe I get killed. So. For me, like hip hop saved my life because if if we didn't have it takes a nation of millions, I may not be the person I am right now. So I t- explain that to people like, yo, that's why like even when I start going to church and people in church were like, yo, you still listen to hip hop? I'm like, bro, nothing is going to make me ever stop listening to hip hop. Like we could just dead that right now. You know what I mean? We could stop that. I mean, I would argue with people in the church. I'm like, yo, you beefing about me going to listen to hip hop. You about to go see bad boys too. Like, yo, in the first <laughs> KKK alone is more cursing than a whole Jay-Z album. So what, what are you talking about? So I think like that's the thing, too, because I know a lot of people who got saved and went to church and gave away their whole CD collection. I'm like, come on, give it to me. I take it because like, again, I'm never going to stop listening to hip hop. But I don't think I'm a minority, I think, of, of yeah. that, I, that feel that way. Absolutely. I think um, for some of us, it's, it means, like I said, there's the cultural aspect and, like, good example of right now. There's a lot of rappers right now who have no cultural aspect. Like, they don't they don't really care about the culture of it. Like you said, it becomes a springboard to fame and fortune. Right. You know, so there's there's definitely that aspect of it. But I think for... Like, I remember, like, I was working with this guy, and um, he was a big, <laughs> big, he loved metal. You know, like, he loved metal, but he loved rap, too. You know, he, like, he loved he loved listening to rap and stuff. And one day, we started talking, and I started telling him, I said, I said, if you listen, like, he, he loved Wu-Tang. That was his thing, you know what I mean? Um, and I grew up with a lot of, like, white kids who, who, who loved Wu-Tang. You know what I mean? Like they, 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 they loved it. They didn't necessarily understand a lot of concepts. So I said to him, I said, if you listen to Wu Tang Clan, you will, you, you're almost being kind of indoctrinated by like five percenter, like type ideologies, right? And things like that. That's they constantly in 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 all of their music as well as people like Rakim. Right. Uh, even I think maybe even KRS to some extent and Kane and all of that, you know, they have that big, I was trying to explain to them the like 5% nation of gods and earth have such a huge uh, part of okay. the ideology of what people think of as the golden age or what they, when they talk about that, that, that what, People start saying, "Where'd all the good rap go?" Well, a lot of the, a lot of those ideologies made the, its way into that music, and people were 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 being fed off of that. You know, so it's like 
I remember he he was like, man, he was like, he was kind of disturbed because he was like, I had no idea I, I was being like indoctrinated by a group of people by listening to this music. And I think that that's when it goes back to what Rob was saying about, you know, you're, you're, you're listening to KRS-One, you're listening to these people that hip hop has made its mark on the social mind of the youth since probably like the 80s. Oh, yeah. Like, that's that's a whole, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's something that I don't necessarily know if people just like sort of mainstream non-hip-hop types. I don't think that they understand the significance of what is done to culture. So people are kind of looking at it like, uh, well, that, you know, it's now people can say, well, that's just that stuff. That's that Drake song. That's that, that's that future song. I mean, like they, they say that's, that's hip hop. They'll say, and it's like, I call it hip hop's doppelganger. That's the, that's the, that's the, uh, you know, that's what popped up. And, uh, you know, that's the co-opted, commercialized version of that. It's just hip hop has grown to a point that we need subgenres. You know what I mean? Like, if you say, what's rock and roll to my mother, she's going to probably say Chuck Berry, Little Richard. You say, what's rock and roll to somebody else, they may say Bon Jovi. You say, what's rock and roll to somebody else, they may say Led Zeppelin, Poison, or whatever like that. So that's why you got the heavy metal genre. It's why you got the alternative rock genre. Yeah. thing with jazz. You know, you got traditional jazz. You got acid jazz. You got contemporary jazz, you know. Same thing with gospel. You got praise and worship. You got contemporary. Like, and I think that's where it is with hip hop because now, if you just say, "Yo, there's a hip hop show, let's all go," we don't know who's gonna come out on stage. It could be Future and Little Ray Ray or somebody. It could be Wu Tang. It could yeah. be, you know, you know it, it could be some trap shit. We don't know what's gonna come out on that stage. You know, <laughs> if you go back to '88, you know. It didn't matter what was going to come out on that stage because it was going to be dope. People people don't understand that N.W.A. used to, it would be an N.W.A., Too Short, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Salt and Pepper, and J.J. Fad concert. And all of those groups had love for everybody. Now, looking back, you're like, yo, how the fuck would N.W.A. go on a tour with Kid and Play? But when you talk yeah. to people now, they all loved each other. So you could have the most crazy tours in your mindset, because how do you have fuck the police with fucking rolling with kid and play? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. it, doesn't even, it doesn't even fit. But be, at that time, that was just hip hop, and everybody just loved it. But but to me, it, it goes back to here, here's the funny thing about hip hop that that and, I, and you 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 talk about me starting some shit on Twitter, yo. Like people were unfollowing me, and I was like, good fuck y'all. I got <laughs> I got enough followers. Yeah, me and Naomi was watching Wild Style. No, we was watching Star Wars. And she was like, yo, daddy, I didn't know with so many white people that were down with hip hop in the 70s. I said, oh, yeah, white people been down with hip hop from day one. And she was like, oh, I didn't know. So I like tweet out. And I don't know if you kept up with like Lord Jamal. He was like, oh, yeah. White yeah. people are guessing hip hop. I guess I, I, I tweeted out. I totally disagree with that. You know, and dog, you talk about starting shit. Ooh. <laughs> Kill, how could you say that? You're a hip-hop historian. And I'm like, bro, well, if I'm a hip-hop historian, shut the fuck up and listen to what I'm saying. Like, to me, it's not about 
a skin color. If you love and you respect the culture, then you part of hip hop to me. It's that simple. You know what I mean? Now, for some people that they've got, and I mean, literally, this was a conversation that started Saturday night around nine o'clock that still was going Monday morning. You oh, know, wow. people would literally like kill. I don't believe you can't think that. And I'm just like, well, fuck, I can't believe you, you, you think that like what, what, cause white people have been taking stuff from us all along. Not all white people. I, I don't understand what you're talking about because no, not all white people have been taking shit from us all along. They make these sweeping generalizations. Right. Because I'm like, look, here's the thing. And I teach this to my kids because I've worked for three different nonprofits. Two of them are predominantly white. The one I work with now is predominantly white and predominantly all women. And I was explaining to my teens all the time, because if they meet a white person who cares about them, they'll be like, oh, he light skin or she's light skin. Because in their minds, they've been taught that white people can't care about black people. And I'm like, no, there are good people in this world. There are bad people in this world. That's it. That's it. And it's one of those things where I'm like, there are good black people in this world and there are fucked up black people. <laughs> white people in this world, there are fucked up white people in this world. You can't judge somebody by who they are. I've been robbed by black folk. Am I supposed to now walk away and say all black people are bad? No. I'm telling my teens, y'all get shot at every day by the black people. Yeah. <laughs> this is an everyday shootout y'all have with each other. And you're not saying that. So but it just amazed me that, you know, and it, it is it's making me get with my nonprofit and doing more work with my kids because I said the problem is is that I caused such an uproar just talking about hip hop, white folk and hip hop. And my biggest thing is that number one, I think if you feel that way, then you don't you're not friends with enough white folk. And I get that. A lot of black people may not be. My grandmother is white. So I that that's all I know. My mom's best friend growing up in the hood was white. And when she would come over my crib, my friends would be like, yo, you fuck with white people? I'm like, yo, they let you do more shit for me than you will ever do for me. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But what happens is, is when people don't know the history, and it's amazing because I'm I'm teaching this to my parents in my hood. I'm like, y'all, y'all do know white folk were helping us with the Underground Railroad, right? Like, you do know that this was not an all-black phenomenon. Like, you do know white folk was marching with us, you know, throughout the 60s. Like, there were white folk marching with the black lives. So, it's just get, trying to get away from that, but it's just amazing to me that people were so upset. that. And my biggest thing was, if you respect me and my knowledge of hip-hop, then it, it shouldn't stop because we disagree. You see what I'm saying? You should take the time and really listen to what I'm saying. And if you respect me in that manner, you should be like, yo, let me do my research. Like, I, I, you don't have to agree with me, but I'm like, do your research. Look at Wild Stop. Oh, well, it wasn't more. It was more blacks than them. Okay, but but what does that mean? Yeah, that doesn't matter if it was five white people and two hundred black people. They were there. It's crazy because then I saw something the other week on Twitter saying Latinos are a guest in hip hop, and I'm like, yeah, I remember I saw something like, like that somewhere. Hell on. Like this, is the South Bronx in the seventies, half of that shit was Latinos. Now, so and it's just like we got to get away from that thinking because it's that thinking that that keeps the the culture so fucked up and. That's my beef that, you know, trying to get that because you haven't been on Twitter for a while. But for the past couple of years, my goal has been like we have to bridge the gap between the old heads and this new generation. Yeah. Because the new generation has no respect for the old heads. And again, this just isn't in music. This is across the board. I never forget Chris Mullen. This is back when he was with Golden State as like a GM and Larry yeah. Hughes paid for them. And Chris Mullen went to Larry Hughes and was like, yo, if you want. I could work out with you on your three-point shot. Larry Hughes was like, nah, I'm good. 
Like, did you just tell Chris Mullen? <laughs> right. With your jump shot? Like Larry Hughes, like my dude, you never had no jump shot like that. So, yeah. but it, so it's across the board of the youth not respecting the elders. And it's like, you've got to learn this about hip hop. Hip hop is not an all black sport. That's not what the culture was about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hip hop was not this violence thing. In fact, hip hop was what stopped a lot of the violence. You know what I mean? But again, if you don't do your history, and that's why it's like, you know, I blame it on ignorance because people don't know. And that's why I'm just like, yo, if you respect me, then take the time to sit down because you respect everything I say when we agree with each other. That's not the way respect is supposed to work. It's supposed yeah. to be both ways where, like, if, if I respect y'all in something you say, I may not agree with it, but I'm going to be like, shit, I need to look that up. You know what I mean? Because I need to find out because I respect your knowledge on it. So, like I said, bro, you're right. Twitter is a crazy place, but my big thing is just like educate because people are like, yo, I don't know how you do it. And I'm like, yo, it's the educator in me. You know yeah. what I mean? It's the educator in me to want to, to keep like, even as black folk, like, yo, when something happens, why are we still looking for Al Sharpton? Why, why we got a million MCs and no new, you know, people to lead the, the, the plight? You know, we still looking for Jesse Jackson to do something for us. You know I, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of, and, and it's funny because it's like, my perspective on all race relations has always been like a really nuanced thing because it's like, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I was, you know, I was born in Harrisburg, but I've been living like in the country in, since the time I was like three. And, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I would, always go back and see my grandmother and, you know, I'll, I'll be in the hood and running around with the kids and stuff. But at the same time, I was a visitor. Right. And when I went back, it, it kind of got me to, to, like, I I knew what a crack house looked like when I was younger. You know what I mean? I grew up with a lot of kids who didn't never see stuff like that. Right. So for me, you know, it, it's always been really crazy definitely you know my my wife is white a lot of people i've caught so much flack in my life for that for mostly black people and that was a lot of like i remember there was an interaction i had on twitter that was almost kind of like one of the things that like kind of was like i need to dead this because it was like somebody was talking about every, people out here making all these these damn mixed race babies and all this stuff and all this shit. And they're like half devils and stuff. And, and I remember I posted a picture of my kids. I was like, can you, which part of my kids is, is devil? Which part? Because like, I don't know how you, how do you divide that out? How do you divide the devil part out? But you know, like, the dope part about Twitter that I have put in the, in, in the, to effect for the past two years, that block button, man. That block button, because yeah. when, you know, that to me is the beautiful part about Twitter. It's just like you blocked. I don't have to see you no more because because if you have if you have that thought process, I, I always joke with it. Like, yo, like Twitter to me, I, I treat Twitter like it's my house, you know. Yeah. So when somebody tries to come sideways and say something disrespectful, nah, nigga, you wouldn't do that shit. If yeah. this is my crib. So, you know, I'm going to just block you. Keep it moving. You know, it's gotten to the point where I've given out my address in the hood. Like, yo, <laughs> you feel that that much about me? 2500 Pomeroy Road Southeast. Just ask the niggas on the basketball court with Mr. Killers, and they'll come get me. If you could get past them first. You know? <laughs> but, 
you know, it, it's just one of those things. And, and, and I would do that back and forth, but it was just like, yo, let me just block you because I don't even want that type of germs on, on my timeline. Like if, if you think that way, like I tell people all the time and, and, and people have told me, I said, dog, like people will be like, yo, what, what if Naomi comes home with a whiteboard? Do we love her? That's all I care about. See that, see stuff like that. Like that's where you have to, you have to just, to me, like my goal is to just make what you sound say and sound so stupid that because again, there's a love deficit out here. So why would I tell my daughter, like, yo, only get with somebody, get with whoever loves you. You know what I mean? Having a daughter, the hardest part for me is gonna be like, yo, when she gets married, and like I gotta give her away to some dude. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm writing that day. Like, when you really think about that, like, yo, this is my baby, and I'm like giving her. I need that person to love and want to care about her. And if that's, I don't care what white, Chinese, great, I don't care. But okay. like, when you can't get past that main thing, and, and to me, that's the great part about where I'm able to kind of lead people with Twitter is that what is your goal? You know what I mean? If your goal is for your daughter to marry somebody black and that's it, then we don't see the same. You know what I mean? And we don't speak the same language. So I'm going to just block you because people are like, kill you be blocking people for anything. And I'm like, it's not anything. It's just, I only want to keep people around me that have a certain kind of energy. You know what I mean? So if you don't have that same energy, I don't even want that. I come to Twitter as a place of peace. You know what I mean? As a place where, like I said, cheers. You don't go to cheers to beef with Norm every fucking day. You go there so you can laugh, joke, and have a good time. So even if it's something like, you know, the smallest thing, and I'm like, to me, that's not small. If you saying white people are the devil, then we gotta we, we don't speak the same language. So let me just get you on out over here. So it keeps my it keeps my experience on Twitter good, you know, and, and if you listen, that's great. But at the end of the day, my thing is, if your goal isn't for your child to marry somebody who loves them and cares about them, no matter what, then we don't speak the same language. And that's cool. Like, it's no disrespect when I block you, you know, but we we don't speak the same language. I only want people around me who, who speak the same language, you know, and, I, and I understand that I totally do. But it's like, okay, us being people who we've heard our fair share of MCs say uh, uh, outlandish shit. We've heard some of our favorite MCs say things that were sometimes homophobic, sometimes things that were, uh, you know, like along that white people are the devil type of you know situation i mean we we have we, uh we have uh an affinity for like malcolm x and stuff and, and you know that I, I i love malcolm i didn't always agree with him and that's the thing about it it's like like now this person i remember when i was on twitter i i didn't i don't even think i followed her or anything like that but like it was it was a somebody who i would see like on other people's like timelines and stuff and I'd heard, I'd seen her say beautiful things, mm-hmm. but at the same time, she had the, that that part that that ignorance. And then, and where it takes me, it takes me to a place of. I know me personally. I've been ignorant in my life. You understand what I'm saying? Like I've there's been times where I've, uh, you know, I I told people, you know, when I. One of the things that led me away from religion was when I, I realized, you know, sometime in my early 20s was that I had a 
uh, a bias against homosexual people because that had been kind of ingrained in me. You know what I mean? Like it had been taught, well, that's an abomination and all this stuff. And then one day I actually was in a situation where I was in, you know, around, in that element, in the, in, a, in an element where, you know, it wasn't a crime to be a homosexual person or anything like that. It was, it was, it was and, and I, I felt such shame. Not because of that I did anything or said anything to anybody hateful, but but I was ashamed that I I let an ideology convince me, like I said earlier, them sweeping generalizations. I let something convince me to dehumanize people just because they lived in a way that I didn't necessarily understand. And that was, so, so I try to, I try to be mindful of the fact that like, yes, people that I don't want to really be around ignorance like that, but at the same time, uh, it's uh, the, the non-ignorant ones. It's almost kind of like you preaching to the choir. Cause it's like, these people know this. It's them ones, them ignorant ones who, We'll say that crazy stuff that hopefully you could get through to and not, but I also understand completely why you would block them because it's like it's poison in the well. It's poison, but here's the thing, too, bro. And this is why I always say it is that the thing with Twitter is it's like Drake said, now you got Twitter fingers because it's something about getting punched in your mouth that'll make you stop and sit down and think about what you really want to say to somebody. And yeah. they know on Twitter they can run their mouth. One of my rules is I'm not arguing with a goddamn uh, picture of Kermit the Frog. Like if you ain't got, <laughs> you ain't got a real picture up of yourself, don't even bother trying to go back and forth with me. I'm not going back with Super back and forth with Super Mario Brothers, bro. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not, you know, I'm not going back and forth with a picture of Nas as your profile picture. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not doing that because you 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 ducking the fact that this is even you. You know what I mean? Like you're you now you're just able to. It's like a KD burner account. Like I could be arguing with KD for all I know. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I'm not even doing that. And I mean, again, man, it's just you know, if if people can learn. And and here's the great part about it. And it's from and again, this is from working with kids. I realize that I'm not going to get through. If I got 35 kids, I'm not getting through to all 35. I may only get through to three. You know, and that's okay. That's okay. A lot of people get burnt out in this work because they believe they're going to touch every one of these kids, and they're not. You know, a lot of people get burnt out with this work because you come in and you meet a third, you meet a, a, a eighth grader reading on a second grade level. And you're like, by the end of the year, I'm going to have him reading at an eighth grade level. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're not. You know, and I understand that in this work, some people plant, some people, you know, water, some people harvest. You know what I mean? So you may just be here to just plant a seed for the next person to come in and help that kid read. And you may. So that's what a, a lot of the stuff that I do on Twitter is literally just about planting a seed. Maybe I'll plant a seed because I had a lot of people come back to me and was like, yo, kill. I never thought about what you were saying. But, yo, I did watch Star Wars, like you said. I didn't know. And, and I agree with you. You know what I mean? So to me, that's dope. If I could change one person's mindset of, of white people or any other race of people are not a guest in hip hop, that hip hop is not, you know, uh, a black sport and that's it like it's it's for everybody like to me that that's good now if somebody else is like nah that's whack because you know 500 people still don't believe i'm just here i'm just here to try to change minds man like yeah. i can't change everybody's mind so like i said just having a couple of people you know give me the respect of even going to watch style Wars. 
You know, I'm like, well, go watch Star Wars and, and, and you tell me how many white people you count. You know, and if you count more than one, then that means they were there. You know what I mean? So I, I appreciate people who did take the time to go find Star Wars because it ain't on Netflix. It's a hard movie to find. You know what I mean? It took the time to watch it and, and, and really, you know, really do the knowledge. I said, yo, at the end of the day, one of my favorite hip hop albums of all time is License to Ill by the Beastie Boys. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This the Beastie Boys is like damn near a part of my hip hop foundation. I probably listened to this album more than dare I say Run DMC's first two albums. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I can't sit here and tell you, Lo, I, I, this Beastie Boys album is part of my hip hop foundation. But nah, but but these guys right here, they were just guests. They 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 were just they just came through and left. They yeah, were just my yeah. cousins from Arizona who stayed in Philly for the summer and then they went back home. Nah, you know what I mean? So, but again. For a lot of these newer people who grow grew up, the only white people they see in hip hop is Eminem. Like that, that's all they that that's all they know. You know, so this is why you do have to go back and do the knowledge on on everything. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, here's the thing: there was a lot of white graph artists, a lot of them. You know, probably in any in any part of our culture, to me, white there was so many white graph artists who were nice. But again, graffiti is like the lost art of hip hop. You know what I mean? Because yeah. people are like, oh, well, there's not a lot of white rappers. And I'm like, but that's the problem. You know, it's not just about rap. It's about the whole culture. You know, yeah. so again, being able to teach people that and for people being able to listen and people being and not. And, you know, say you've been in my crib. I got a damn hip hop library up here. I'll give y'all books to go read. Like, yo, go grab this book off Amazon. You know, go do woo woo woo. Like, go do the knowledge so that you can see that, you know, that's not what hip hop was built on. But I get it. If you're 36 and you're 10 and 80 and 95 instead of 85 when I am, then you're growing up on on bad boy. You're growing up on, you know, fuck bitches get money. You're growing up on, you know, you know, money, more money, more problems. You know, there ain't no culture in that. There ain't no graph artists in that. You, you know, you're not seeing anybody white anywhere around it. So again, I can understand why you would think that way, but let me help you try to think another way. You know what I'm saying? Like you grow up in that era. Think about this. Paris said in 92, still I haven't seen one rapper living comfortably on EPMD's crossover. Now this is 1992. EPMD is probably one of the biggest hip hop groups in the world. You fast forward six, five years to, to 97. And now you got yo MTV. I mean, um, MTV cribs to where now rappers have mansions and, and swimming pools and strip poles in the basement and everything like that. You know what I mean? So again, if you're, if you're, if you're 10 years younger than me, you're coming up on a hip hop. That's all about money. There is no culture in it for you. It's all about money. If you're 10 and you're trying to rap, you're going to be rapping about getting money because you got Jay-Z, you got big, you got these million dollar video budgets with people throwing money everywhere, making it rain. So that's what you're nine times out of 10 going to emulate because that's what you hear. If you go back to my round book from the 80s, it's going to be a lot about pro-black talk because that's what was going on. There's going to be a lot of braggadocious hip hop like special ed. I got it made, you know, because that's what I was listening to. So, again, the age, the age plays such a factor into what, what your thoughts are about hip hop music. If you don't do what you said you did, site, which was go back to the older people and find out what they were listening to. And again, you're the minority in that because the majority of people aren't going to do that. That's their hip hop and they love it for what it is.
I mean, because I think when I first kind of got into listening to hip hop type music, I was like that. Like you said, that, that I remember like uh, Puff Daddy type time. You know what I mean? Like it. Like I remember seeing that, and then like I think I've always been about lyrics, so. First of all, you realize Puff Daddy, he's not even writing his own rhymes. Right. So then you're like, okay, well, who's writing his rhymes? Well, it's probably like Biggie and Mace. But but here's the part, site Again, 95, nobody cares. You yeah. see what I mean? In 84, that was that that's that's what was supposed to differentiate hip hop from other genres of music. I don't care who wrote fucking forever, my lady. I don't know if Joe, I think Albie Shore wrote it, but Joe ain't like in RB, we don't care who writes the hits. No. We care about the people who do it. But that's what makes hip hop different. I always tell people if you find out that Jay-Z is from Syracuse, New York, went to Catholic school and never sold drugs a day in his life, and his whole life was just a a, a lie, you know what I mean? We we would care, but this younger generation wouldn't care. And you want to know why? Because it happened to Rick Ross. When Rick Ross said, you know what? I never was a CEO. Then it was pictures of him being a CEO. And he was like, all right, fuck it. I was a CEO. I lied. <laughs> Nobody cared. Nobody. Nobody cared. He still kept selling records and it kept moving. At that time and point in our hip hop, you would have been dead. It would Your career would have been over in the 80s and the early 90s if that happened. If you said, because here's the thing. I was always like, and I always swear these rappers need better PR. If I was Rick Ross, I would have been like, yeah, I was a CEO. Nigga, I was getting the coke and moving the coke in and out. Yeah, he could have flipped it. You could have flipped it. But he was like, nope, I wasn't a CEO. Boom, here's a picture. All right, fuck it. I lied. But my new album's coming out next week. Go get it. And the, <laughs> nobody cares. And nobody, 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 like, nobody cares if you write your rhymes. Nobody cares. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, <clears throat> I remember one thing that happened when I was, when I was in high school. I remember... I I wrote this I wrote this paper in the English class. You know, I've always been really, you know, I like to write, regardless of if it's rhymes or you know, scripts and all kind of, like I write whatever. And I remember I wrote this paper and this lady and this teacher, you know, she said, she said, Well, this paper is so good, I don't think you wrote it. And she said, we know, we all know that if you would have said it, you would have said it like this. And she said a whole bunch of like ebonics and like slang and shit. And she said all this stuff. Now, I'm in like 10th, 11th grade. I'm just trying to get through school. You know right. what I mean? Like, but at the same time, I, I remember being so like disgusted just by the fact that you would think that I feel like I need to copy somebody. Like, I don't need anybody to write anything. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I write my rhymes, you know? I would never really say no rhymes that somebody else wrote because that's just not me. You know what I mean? That's not that's not what the people who I came from, the, the, the men I got on this shirt, they didn't do stuff like that. They didn't, they didn't you know, uh, oh, well, this guy wrote this rhyme from And then they don't even, like, then they try to pass it off like it's their rhyme. You know, the, the people people will say somebody else's rhyme and then try to pass it off like they said it or they wrote it. It came out of their mind. And it's like to me that's sacrilegious. Like it's not it's 
I, I I'm not built like that. Like I. But the hard part is, bro, is that if you don't have somebody to teach you those rules, then you don't know them. So if you just grab a basketball and you don't know nothing about traveling, double dribble, can't pick up your pivot foot, you're going to be fucking up because nobody ever sat there and taught you the rules. You know what I mean? You can't you can't go back cross back court. You can't do this. A lot of times people, the old heads haven't taught the next generation the rules. You know what I mean? Whether that's because we 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 choose not to, whether that's because we think they won't listen to us for whatever reason, we haven't taught them the rules. So the first thing we got to do is figure out, you know, because for a lot of these people, they 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 hear hip hop and again, you know, if you're watching imagine watching a basketball game with no referee and anything goes. Then that's what you're going to emulate. So that's the thing. Like, you know, if you're watching a basketball game, you could be like, oh, oh, you can't lift up your pivot foot. Oh, you you can kind of learn the rules from watching the game. But if you're watching the game with no rules and people are just doing whatever, that's what you're going to do. So that's where we have to come in and educate these kids that know right in your rhymes is very important. I said this on Twitter once. I said, I'm going to do a third verse challenge because too many of these MCs are only writing two verses in their song. Some MCs are just writing writing one long verse. And I said, the problem is, is I said, I'm going to give y'all a beat. Here's a beat. Everybody write three verses to this beat. And I said, if you listen to Nas, um, I gave you power. That third verse in sight, you'd understand it's because you're a writer. Your first paragraph is the intro. The next is the body. The third is your conclusion. Yeah. If without that third, if without that third verse and I gave you power, you don't know what's going on. The right, yeah. you're left. If, if you don't listen to the third verse in Jay-Z's song cry, you don't know what happens in a relationship. Yeah. So, and I and I gave that challenge out to MCs, and MCs were hitting me like, yo, kill, this shit is hard. Like, yeah, I, I, I swear to God. I <laughs> People were hitting me up like, yo, this is hard. I never had the right, I never wrote a third verse because so many of these admit MCs, that. Oh so no, many, so many MCs. Are, are nowadays just writing two verses. So again, the younger generation doesn't know a third verse. One kid got at me and he said, yo, I'm taking this hip hop writing class. And I was like, what the fuck is a hip hop writing class? But, um, and I'm assuming he was at a community college and he said, kill my professor mm -hmm. in the class doesn't push me as much as you're pushing me right now. To write a third verse. And I said, well, what, what, what school are you at? And he said, Berkeley. Berkeley, Berkeley School of Music in Boston. But this is what I'm talking about, that the new generation doesn't even know to write a third verse, because if all you're listening to is people just writing two verses, one of my favorite songs, Benny, uh, what is that? Um, God, Rubber Bands and Weight, love the song, but it's only two verses. Most of the, con most of the West Side Gun and Griselda and all that is two verses. So if you're coming up on that, you think, well, then that's what the that's So that's when I was like, here's the third verse challenge. Everybody gets a freebie, <laughs> write a third verse. And I may have, and no lie, I was like, yo, DM me if you want me to send you a beat. I probably had about 70 people DM me for the beat and probably only about maybe 12 people who actually sent me something with a third verse. Third verse. But, that, but that's what I mean, like, where are more people to challenge 
the younger MCs. Because that's what I'm always going to do. I'm not going to say, yo, you're whack. Because it's also, and again, it's from me working with kids. I, I've learned that you can't just be like, you're whack. Like, I'll, I'll get my kids, taking them somewhere. I'll let them listen to I Gave You Power. And they're like, oh, shit, Mr. Kill, he's rhyming like he's a gun. I'm like, yeah. I said, now, can your favorite MC do that? And they'll be like, nah. You know what I mean? <laughs> nah, that's not me. So, but, but so instead of me saying, y'all MCs are whack, or your MCs can't do this, I let them listen to something, and then I let them make that decision. You see what I'm saying? And then the conversation, because once I once I say, yo, your MCs are whack, the wall goes up, there's no conversation, everything, they're, they're not listening to a word I'm saying right now. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing with this. If I said, yo, all y'all new slim MCs is whack, y'all can't write second, y'all can't write a third verse, that would have been taken the wrong way. So that's why I'm like, look, I'm giving out a free beat, here's a challenge, do this. You know, and it pushed some people. Like I said, maybe only 12 people did it. But guess what? That's now 12 people who understand, damn, a third verse is important. And man, I really thought I was a dope MC. But man, I realized I got to sharpen my sword a little bit more if I want to do these third verses. You know what I mean? So we we have to we as the old heads of this of this culture have to, you know, teach these kids. You got to try to write your own rhyme. You know what I mean? I remember not too long ago, you know, I was I was driving with a young, he's like a, I don't know, he's probably in his early 20s, you know. And, you know, we got into talking about, he's like, oh, you know, he's like, I'm Ryan, man. And I was like, okay. And I was like, let me hear something, you know. And, you know, he he, he hit me with something, he's like, but in there, you know, you know, he hit me with that new that that like the almost like unintelligible like mumble shit. And I was just like, do I tell him like like no man, you probably shouldn't do that? Or do I say, you know, I ended up I was like, all right, man, like because I didn't really know what to say to him. You know, I didn't know what to say to 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 that because I didn't want to insult his intelligence. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's like it's almost like because my kids do it to me all the time. You know what I mean? And it's like, what are you saying, bro? Like, like I want you to explain to me what you're saying in this rhyme. You know, yeah. and there have been times when they're like, "Well, I, I really don't know, Mister Kill. You know, I'm just trying <laughs> to know And I'm like, "Well, that's the first. That's the first key. You know." And my thing is always, "Do you want to be an MC?" Or do you want to be a rapper? Because if you want to be a rapper, keep doing what you do. You yeah. know what I mean? If you want to be an MC, you got to know what you're talking about. You can't tell somebody, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, you have to take the craft seriously. You know, but again, as a kid, like, in in, in eighty in the 80s, dog, it was so important for you to, to, to hone your skills. My man Shadi Lukman taught me like this, because he's from Brooklyn. He has three brothers. And he said, yo... You had to be the nicest MC in your house first before you could even go outside on your block and say I run. Yeah. So I had to battle my two brothers to even be able to go outside and then say I run. Then I had to be nice enough in my neighborhood, you know what I mean, before I could go to another section of Brooklyn and say I run. And then I had to be nice enough to do. So it was like this level. It was like first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. Now I can graduate middle school. Like it was a it was a level of how you got better at things. Whereas right now, you, you're just, you know, I've, I've literally seen this shit where somebody would just kick around in a cypher and they'd be like, yo, you, you should rap. 
And it's like, no, you shouldn't. Like, you know, <laughs> you like, like, no, you, 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 you may be good, but like, dog, like, it, it's it, you, you, you hoop, like, you hoop. You got to go through JV first, and then mm-hmm. if you're nice enough, then the coach may say, nah, fuck that, we putting you on varsity. But you, you've got to show. There has to be a step by step process, and again, this younger generation doesn't do step by step process. They're learning in an entirely different new way i watched this show called billions on showtime it's a great show and um the guy is 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 going back to teach a law class and he asked the students you know um did you do the homework and, and one of the guys was like well no and he said well look the next time you come in this class you better have your homework done or you got an f and a girl stood up and she she was like studies show that we don't learn that way we don't learn well with negative you know, we, we, we don't learn like that with you yelling and threatening us with failing us. You know, we we learn in a more positive critiquing way and things like that. That's the way that this generation is being molded. You know, what I mean, I grew up in an era where guess what? You don't you get a trophy when you win first place and you get a ribbon if you win second and third. And if you don't get if you if you fourth, then nigga, you just go home with nothing. Like that's it. <laughs> Nowadays, if you participate in the spelling bee, everybody gets a trophy. Right. So what's happening is. It's this instant gratification. See, what that did in my day was that made me say, damn, I want a trophy. So that means I got to work harder. I got to study harder. I got to play harder. I got to work hard. So we're right now in this generation of what I call dumb dumb geniuses because I got kids who <laughs> build a website with, with their eyes closed, but word is bomb, put a, a, a clock on a wall with hands on it and they can't tell time. And I'm not even exaggerating. They can't tell time. You know, but they can build a website with, and they can code they asshole. You know what I mean? So that's that's the problem with this generation now is that it's instant gratification. No one knows how to work hard because I've been given everything along the way. So they even did this study on how it's like, yo, when these when these new kids are graduating college and they can't find a job, they're having mental breakdowns because they don't understand what rejection sounds like. They don't know what that feels like because their whole life they've been given everything you know even when you don't win if i come in 180th place and i still get a trophy nigga i got a trophy like i in my mind i won something i'm number 187 but now so that's the that's the difference between i think my generation and, uh, and these young kids is that we had to work hard you know we we you know and it, it made us hustle different where a lot of these new kids they don't want to put in the time to get better as an mc because you know, here's the crazy thing, Sai. Somebody will be like, yo, Mr. Kill, what you think about this rapper? I'll be like, nah, I don't like him. I think he whack. Well, he just so he just got eight million streams and look at his house on YouTube and blah 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 blah. So again, if your goal is that, then I don't have to be nice, Mr. Kill. See that 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 was your days when when the when the dope rappers were the ones who got the most money or whatever like that. So you know, if I could do the soldier boy Superman dance and I could make millions and millions of dollars. Why? Why am I getting? It's the Ben Simmons syndrome. Why am yeah. I? Getting, why am I getting better if I can keep doing what I'm doing and make the money? Because deep down in my heart, it's not about being the best. It's about how much money can I make? Y'all like how I brought that yeah. right back to Ben Simmons, right? No, but that's the truth, though. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I take, you know, my pen seriously. I, I you know, I don't. But here's the thing, Sight. Why? Why do you take it serious? I think I think it's because it goes back to what you were just talking about with 
I I still caught like the tail end of it mattering if you were nice. Right. There's a lot of people who rat who don't care about being nice. I, you know what I mean? Like I, that was something I I had to find out over time because it was like I grew up in a place where to the common person, the common people who I was growing up with, it didn't even matter if a person was nice or anything. Like, they weren't thinking about things like that. But when I would go to the city and stuff like that, like I had to like, you know, I, if I could say my rhymes here, you know what I mean? Then then that means something. You know what I mean? Like I had to real like I had to really like kind of like come out. I had to come out of a shell because it was like, I, first of all, when you come from the suburbs. People don't even think you should be rapping. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just like, why are you even doing this? And it's like, so that already I had a chip on my shoulder from the beginning. That people that people thought that I shouldn't even be doing it just for that alone. So then it was like I, I had to give myself high standards. I think a lot of this has to do with, like you said, the people who they're trying to emulate, they're not trying to emulate. Um, their diction, or they're not trying to emulate um, uh, their rhyme schemes and stuff like that. They're trying to emulate a lifestyle that looks a certain way and attach that to I'm a rapper. You know, it's like me, like I said, these, these men right here, when I write rhymes still to this day, I'm thinking in the back of my head, would you say that rhyme in front of KRS-One? Because if not, then I don't really need to be saying it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just because you write something doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be dope. <laughs> you might see some whack shit and be like, uh, I don't think I should put that out there. But some people think everything that they write is good enough to just put out there. Because really, if you're like you said with, the, with with some of the kids, they were writing stuff and didn't even really know really what they were writing. So right. it's like you can just say whatever if it doesn't if your words don't mean anything. You can just say whatever out of your mouth. You know, you can say whatever because it's like it has no ramification. I learned a long time ago the things you put out into the world come have a way of coming back to you. That's why all these people talking, all this crazy gunplay talking about, and then they get shot or something, and then they're like, well, why'd that happen? It's like, this dude was talking about crazy gunplay forever, and then it finally came back and knocked on his door. Right. It only makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to bring people together with my music. I'm trying to, you know, I have, even though I, I'm an MC. I, I always felt like I kind of have more of the soul of like, a, like a soul singer or something like that. Right. Because if you think about it, the soul singer and the funk, the funk singer, those th- they became the MC. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they they they, they became you know they were the original. Somebody like Rick James, you can see the. the you know, the coming together two different times, you know what I mean? Like he, he ushered, uh, I, I mean, he, I think without him, I don't even know if hip hop music would be the same. 
Right. Because he was such a transitional type of a force. You know what I mean? Like he brought back, he, he was like, you know, he was he was talking about the street, but at the same time, he, you know, he could also make them like love ballads and stuff like that. So it was like he 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 brought that together, you know. And like you said, that there's a deficiency of love in the world. And my music has always been geared towards bringing more love to the world. But do you see that right there, Sight? That goes back to something you said earlier. Your sense of pride in the music. You know what I mean? There has to be pride somewhere. But number one, you have a lot of kids who don't have any pride. You know, they don't have any foundation to stand on. And when you don't have a foundation to stand on, you, you don't know what to talk about. You know, so when you say that you want your music to be something that brings love to the world, I do this with my kids. I'm like, we have to make a mission statement for your life. Because when I started working with kids, I started seeing that a lot of these kids didn't believe that they would live past 18 years old. So when you're 16 and you think you're not going to live to 18, you you live a reckless behavior. Like, you know, it'd be like, God forbid, somebody says, hey, you got two years to live. You don't care about going to work. You don't care about paying no goddamn taxes. You're going to be doing everything you've ever wanted to do before you die in two years. And that's what a lot of my kids were doing. So I'm like, OK, uh, I told them what a mission statement was. Let's say we got a sneaker store. You want to sell affordable sneakers only. Do you sell Jordans? No, because Jordans are $200 and we want to sell affordable sneakers. Good. You get what a mission statement is. Now, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be the dopest veterinarian in the world. OK, so I needed them to have that mission statement. So when things came on their plate, like, OK. Here's your man just pulled up in a car. Number one, you know, he ain't got a license. Number two, you know, he don't own a car. So it's probably a stolen car. Do you get in that car? Base that decision off your mission statement. Is getting in this stolen car with somebody who doesn't have a license, is that going to help you get to become the dopest veterinarian ever? No, it's not. Prayerfully, you don't do it. Is letting some dude run up in you raw and getting you pregnant at 15 going to help you become the dopest veterinarian? So I did that in hopes that my kids would have something because our kids are played making these life and death decisions mm -hmm. every single day of their life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted them to base it off of that. With your music, even if you wrote some gangster wild out shit, you would probably have to put that against your mission statement of, is this helping to bridge the gap? Is this helping to spread love? And if it's not, then I won't make that. What's, what happens is a lot of people, not just the young people, old people. I got friends my age who don't have a mission statement, who don't have a goal. They don't know what they stand on. So they make dumbass decisions, you know, because they don't know any better. So that's the thing. More MCs need to have that mission statement of, I want my music to do what? Fill in the blank. Yeah. You know? And when you, but, but if you don't, then you make dumb decisions. If you don't know that I want to be the best veterinarian, or if I want to be a starting point guard in the NBA, is getting in this stolen car, you know, at that time and point, it's just fun. It's like on it's like on um Cooley High when 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 Coach Easton Preach got in the car and they went joyriding with Stone and Robert. It's just about fun. You know, you don't have Coach East wasn't thinking, nah, I'm trying to get the scholarship in the college and is this gonna help me? Da -da. You don't have anything to connect the dots. And when you don't have anything to connect the dots, you make bad decisions. Yeah. So that's what's missing with a lot of our MCs, young and old. They don't have a mission statement for what their rhymes are going to be. They don't have a mission statement for what do I want to leave this world with? See, and it's because they're not old enough. At 46, you start thinking about death. Shit, with all this COVID shit, you're thinking about death all the time. Mm -hmm. My biggest thing is that if I die tomorrow, 
I know I'm going to have so many kids and people in the hoods and people saying, and I'm not saying this to like be on my own dick, but just saying like, Mr. Kill, help me. Like, so you got to start thinking about what is the legacy you want to leave behind? Not only with your rhymes, but with your life. You know what I mean? And that's what people don't have. And that's what we have to continually teach. That's what we have to continually help. That's why I do the marriage coaching. That's why I do the, the team mentoring. That's why, I mean, shit, I mentor people who are older than me. You know, but I do all that because I had mentors pour into me and I have to pay that forward. You know what I mean? Because without my mentors, I'm not talking to you like this. I'm talking to you probably with some rah-rah shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> but we 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 have to do that. And, and, it, and it starts with, like you said, with the music. So like you said, you take the reason you're the type of MC you are is because you take pride in your music. Yeah. If you really put rappers up against the lie detector test. And if you lie, you get a shock of electricity. Most MCs can't tell you I take pride in my music. No, because they tell, they're on there. And I understand that, you know, I I get it. People who who feel like they're in a financial situation that, uh, you know, they say, oh man, this is the way out. Like, I guess, I, I see why you would think that way. But if you have a respect for the culture and for how you present yourself in the world, uh, you you can't you can't just sell out like that. Like uh, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not gonna put something out uh, that I know misrepresents me because it's like my besides this podcast, besides this podcast. The most people who I'm ever going to talk to is going to be on a song. If I die tomorrow, my kids would probably be like, oh, I listen to his music. But sorry, right there, you said that you wouldn't want music that misrepresents you. That means you have to know who you are. How many of these kids know who they are? How many adults can really sit back and tell you, this is who I am? That's why it's so important that you do what you do, because it's like uh, I'm, you know, I, I was recently, you know, I was looking in the, you know, life coaching mm-hmm. and a part of me was like, who am I to coach somebody else's life? You know what I mean? Like, I'm, but then again, I said, you know, I think the reason why I have the inclination and even do something like that is because I value people. Right. I I I, I I love to, you know, I'm always meeting people and you I know you must experience this a lot, but you meet somebody and you see so much in them that they don't see. Right. I, I wrote this <laughs> I, I wrote this rhyme not too long ago and where I talked about that. Um what I say in that rhyme. I said uh I said, rhymes contain light like that of the celestial. Mind frame could dig the brain an extraterrestrial. If you on my level, kick it up another decibel. Open your mind so the information is catchable. Inside of me is the name that is ineffable. Wild style coming with flows that isn't guessable. Told you that you God, now you looking at me skeptical. I see things in you that to you are imperceptible. Because it's like, I see the divine aspect of a person. I see it in the person. 
And it's so crazy to see that spark inside of a person who cannot look in the mirror and see it in themselves. That drives me crazy more than maybe anything. Because it's just like, I understand life is hard and there's people telling you that you're not this and you're not that and all this stuff. But sometimes you just need somebody to tell you that you're worth it. You right. know, you know, because I, I mean, I know that, you know, in, in the city, you know, that's definitely running rampant. But that's not it's not just the city thing. You know what I mean? Like there's so many people I see every day just can't stand themselves. Is, bro, is that and is being able to like, for instance, I'm proud of y'all for this podcast. You know what I mean? Anytime that did there's intelligent people, you know, being able to start their own show like, bro, y'all have already done something that people, you know, sit around for, for years, talk about they're going to do and they never do. You know what I mean? And two, one thing that I've realized that we don't tell each other as 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 grown folk is that we're proud of each other. You know what I mean? It's like for some reason, it's like that goes away with, I don't know, maybe once you graduate college or you're done with the military or you, you know, we don't tell each other as adults, like, I'm proud of you. You know what I mean? And and that's hard. And, and that what happens is it, it's funny. I was talking to my dad once, I guess, 20 years ago when I first got married. And I was like, yo, are you proud of me? He was like, yeah, I'm proud of you. Why? I was like, you never told me. And in, in 26 years, you've never told me you're proud of me. You know what I mean? So it's and now you tell your daughter. <laughs> I tell my, but you know All what? It is, but you know what it is? It's because from working with kids, it's like I've been blessed to be a fly on the wall to see what kids need. They need. You know that. what I'm saying? And they need to be told that they're Naomi tired shoes. Oh, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You know what I mean? Because here's the thing, man. Especially with our daughters, man. Our daughters are going through. Deep, my girls are going through hell out here, man. I mean, got like. Well, I mean, you got three daughters, you know, man. Our, our our daughters are going through hell out here because, you know, the, the thing that I hate about the Internet is that it's brought the hood worldwide. You know what I mean? I was at a school out in, uh, in, in, in PG County, Largo. These people, I was in the school and I'm like, yo, why do we need to go to Largo? But they were like fake bloods and crips in the school. And it's crazy because we're outside and like people are being dropped off in Range Rovers and Benzins and they live in, in Lake Arbor, you know, and they're like in the school talking about I'm from the Arbor. I'm like, my dude, you have a three fucking car garage and a swim. Like <laughs> what was happening is because of social media, the kids in the suburbs are being touched ways that they didn't, they weren't touched before because you, if you didn't have to go to the hood, you didn't see this stuff. Yeah. Stuff that's in the hood looks so dope, but it emulated. You know what I mean? So it's just so important for us, like to you know, pour especially you know into our. It, it's a it's a two way street. It's our boys and our girls because I'm like, if we pour all this into our girls, what are we? What are the people who have sons? Are they pouring good information into them? Because I got somebody got to marry my daughter. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you know, are we pouring? That good information, like when I'm giving haircuts or when I used to, I don't do them anymore. But when I used to do the haircuts, you know, that was my time to talk to my kids and be like, yo, you know, yo, I got two and three girlfriends. I'm like, yo, that's whack. Like, what you mean that's whack? I'm like, dog, if you if you like somebody, that needs to be your girlfriend. If you want to date other people, let her date other people. Nah, I want it just to myself. Nah, dog, that's selfish. 
You know, how many men are having this conversation with young men? Most of the times we're bigging that up. Oh, you got five girlfriends. That's what's up. That's what's up. No, it's not what's up because then you can't get mad at this fool when he dating your daughter with four other girls on the yeah, side. Like, you know what I mean? So, and, and one of my and my kids knew they they think I'm fucking playing with them. One of my boys brought his girlfriend by. I was like, "Yo, nice to meet you." You know, da da da. Next week he brought another girl by. I was like, "Oh, you're not Tiffany." And he was like, "Yo, Mister Cal." I was like, "Oh no, he got a girl. He got a girlfriend named Tiffany." Like, and I'm like, "Dog, I told you, I'm gonna blow up your spot because that's whack." But nobody's ever told young men that yo you need i always tell people if my dad stayed on my ass about how i treated women the same way he stayed on my ass about my grades i'd be a different person i would have been a different person growing up if he was like yo you got your girlfriend and if i see another girl in my car that i'm letting you drive that you ain't driving my car no more see that makes me have to stop and think okay well then do i really want to make this person be my girlfriend because with another girl that I'm not going to be able to drive the car. See, sometimes you got to make people uncomfortable to make better decisions. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you don't make them uncomfortable and you know, so and one of my homegirls said it, she said, kill the hard part with you guys is that you fuck us over for years. And then when you decide you want to settle down, you want a woman who hasn't been hurt or you want a woman who hasn't been tarnished or you want a woman who doesn't have baggage. It's like, yo, we had baggage because of y'all. And I'm like, damn, like you're a hundred percent right. So again, I got to, you know, go from, and I'm teaching this from kids who are 12 to grown ass men who are 50. You know, I lead a men's group in the hood and I, and it's always, I always use sports references like, yo, yo, who's your team? The Redskins. Cool. You know, would you ever leave the Redskins? No, I'm dedicated to the end. No matter if they never win a Super Bowl. No. So then why are we that committed to our wives and our children? You know, you're committed to a team that you will get nothing from. The Eagles won a Super Bowl two years ago. I ain't get shit. I ain't get a check in the mail. I ain't get a goddamn jersey. I didn't get a day off. I didn't get anything. In fact, I spent more money buying shit. So in actuality, I lost money when the Eagles won the, won the chip. But we cheat on our wives. Then we cheat on our wives. Then we don't even come kick it with our kids. Like, you know, like we we got to challenge each other as men to be dope, bro. Like when the men's class was about to end, we take a break during the summers. I was like, all right, yo, who 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 on your team? Like, what do they need to get better at? And everybody's like, oh, this person needs to do this. We need to do that. What are you going to get better at in the offseason? Mm-hmm. When I'll see you for the next three months, what are we working on? Myself included, because I got to work on shit. So what are we working on? So when we come back in September, we're better fathers, husbands, boyfriends, sons, Brothers, better men. What are we working? So it's a constant challenge from kids who are 12 to people who are 55 in my men's group. You know, and that's what we have to do. We have to, as men, we have to go back out there and do it. You know what I mean? Because if, if we don't, you know, it's, it's just going to be a hot hell mess out here, man. Like, and that's, and that's what we have. It's a hot hell mess. You know what? I hate, I hate that statement. Like, uh, what's wrong with these kids? What's wrong with the people raising these kids? Right. You know, that should be the statement. Right. But I, that drives me crazy. And, you know, I think a lot about that. And I mean, I have three girls. One of them's married to, you know, not a good person. And, <laughs> you know, one, I'm thankful for the guy she is with because he seems like a good person. And I got a 16 year old. And, you know, it, it's, I'm very scared for all three of them, you know. And you know, I got a son coming, and I'm like, you gotta, you know. But congrats on the son, man. Well, you know, that's why there is a fourth, because you know, it was a good day. But right, right, right. I feel you. I feel you. I'm happy either way, but it was a good day. Right. 
Right. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, I mean, pumps. I mean I've, I, again, man, you know, as as fathers of daughters, we got to be scared. We got to be scared because it's, it's, again, it's just, you know, your fear. And it, all we can do is just, you know, is, is just build them up. man. You know what I mean? And just build and, them up and make sure that they have what they need to survive. Man. And, and the way society is with women drives me crazy. Yeah. Like the Kardashians and like these fake lives that aren't real and we put them on pedestals yeah. and then we wonder what happens. And it's just, I mean, just the, the thing is growing up as a teenager, hard enough. Yeah. As a, a teenager in a pandemic with all this stuff as a woman, all these things. Yep. Obviously I don't know how, how that is, you know, but I can't even like, like it's just, it's crazy to me. And, you know, I see what my oldest daughter deals with and she deals with this nonsense. And it's like part of it is like a lot of what she deals with is my oldest daughter I had when I was 17 to somebody, not my wife. Right. And like, so there's a lot of things that go on with that. There was a lot of issues, you know. So mentally, 20 years later, we got this situation that has affected her, you know, when she was like three, you know. And we don't realize when these kids are two or three years old and they start understanding what's going on around them, how that's going to affect them when they're 25. Right. The relationships they're going to have when they're 25, positive or negative. Right. You know? And now she's raising children. So right. now those children are affected by that negativity. Right. Like we're not thinking about that stuff. And it's just, you know, and then you're in that cycle. Yeah. You know? It's hard to get out of, but you know what I realized, good brother, is you know, those conversations that may have not have been had, the beautiful thing is they still can be had. Uh, and, and trust me, these <laughs> conversations have been had. Right. And like you with my oldest daughter, it's very difficult because I've I've tried to attack it from so many different angles. I've run out of angles, you know, and it's like you get to the point where you're like, what can I do? And in this situation, it's like I'm enabling her, enabling her to be enable this person. Right. You know what I mean? So like it's you just get to a point like you're like you have to come to a hard realization is that at 25, she's got to be on her own and understand that. You know, this is the life she chose, and you're gonna lose. You, I don't know. It's it, like the whole thing's like there's so many different complexities to it. You know. I mean, good brother, yo, you if you down with sight, you down with me. If if you want to, I I'd love to chop it up with you offline. You know about any ideas that that I can that I can help give you for that. You know what I mean? Because the hard part is is that you know. I always say, you know, the whole the old proverb of it takes a village to raise a kid. No, it takes it, it takes all of us to, to to come together to be able to fix things that have been sitting around for years. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like you said, I, I definitely hit a frustration of, you know, I've tried this, I've tried that. And you know what the thing is, bro? We we just we gotta keep throwing stuff on the wall just so and, and prayerfully, you know, maybe she is hearing you. You know what I mean? And the good thing that you're doing is not doing the same thing. Like you said, you're trying to do different things. You're trying to call different audibles because, you know, the hard part, bro, is we're all affected by so many things. Right. You know I mean, and, and like you said, things that you may not even thought affected people, did affect people. And, you know, I think the first part is just you even talking to her about it, is doing more than what most people do because it's opening, you know, that door. 
You know, and it's also understanding that, yo, this has been on your heart for a lot longer than maybe I've known or I, I knew. So it's just always letting her know, like, yo, that door is always open, you know, to talk, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And everything like that. Because like you said, you don't want that to go down now to your grandkids. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You want to try to realize where we can, you know, nip this in the bud. But yeah, man, like I said, you know, if you want to, yo, let, let, let's go, man, because... I tell people all the time, your kids and my kids, man, because we all gonna go through the same thing and we we all gotta be here for each other, man. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I was gonna say something about earlier when you were talking about like, you know what I noticed about ki like my kids? So like, I think a lot of competitiveness is gone. Mm -hmm. Like, I watch my son play Fortnite, right? Mm -hmm. And these guys, he'll be on with like a bunch of other kids and they'll be like, Listen, you can't you can't kill me that many times or you can't get me that hard or something. I'm like, what do you mean? Like the whole point of the game is to like like right. everything I do when I go to work, I'm trying to work the dude next to me. Right. You know, like when I'm doing the podcast, you know, our podcast is what it is, but I'm trying to make it better than the other, you know, like okay. in, within my power, I do the best I can. Right? You know, and I'm 44 years old when I go play basketball, Listen, in the back of my mind, I know I can only do so many things, but I'm trying as hard as I can. And, you know, like, and I think that's just gone. And it's somehow it's like this bland thing of like, I don't know. I just. You know, you know what I realized? I was playing something with my daughter one day, me and my wife were. And we realized what these kids play or what they call sandbox games. You know, we came up with, with a game where there was a, a ending. Like Donkey Kong, you want to get, you want to save the princess from. Like there were, there were endings, and like me and my wife were like, "Well, what's the point of this game?" And she's like, "You just keep playing it." And then we like looked it up, and it's like this whole new phenomenon called sandbox games, where there's really no ending, so there's really no goal to this. Like you could just play this game like for infinity, like literally. Yeah, like, yeah right. Us, we had games where it was like, "Yo, I beat Resident Evil." Like it's over. Right. I beat it. I can put that, I can trade that game in. I can get Resident Evil too. These kids don't have those games. These kids just have games that just have no ending. There is no purpose. So, you know, not not only that, they're not playing like my. There's no like I was when I played outside. We played twenty one, mm -hmm. you know, and like that's you know, there's three three people, four people. We're playing twenty one, and you're one on three, right? You know? And like, there's none of that going on. Like at least in my neighborhood. I mean, it isn't. I mean, uh, I just showed my wife this thing that my homegirl um, sent me and it said, you know, my, what did it say? My, uh, my kids wanted to know what it was like for me growing up. So I took their phone, shut off the internet, gave them a pocket <laughs> outside till the street lights come home. <laughs> so, and if we did that, imagine it would just be kids outside just looking at each other like, Something I don't know. cops on you. What are we going to do? Like, we have no idea. Like, you know, um, maybe about 10 years ago, we was in New York. My wife was from Harlem, and she we had a barbecue for her family. And, like, all, like, the little kids were just all on their devices. I'm like, yo, we're in a park. I got a football, yeah. a Frisbee, a basketball. And they were just like, nah, Cousin Kill, like, just playing. I'm like, yo, how can you be in a park and not want to throw a football or do something? But... Uh, again, you know, so it, it's hard, but you know, it, it's just trying to come up with with little things to like try to like bring them back to reality. You know, like we we tried our best. I mean, again, we can't in the pandemic because you know, yeah, 
phone is everything. But prior to that, it's kind of like, all right, if we're eating dinner at a restaurant, like we're not on our phones. Like, you know, we'll bring Uno with us or we'll bring a card game with us or something. We'll yeah. a riddle game or do something because it's just too many times you go out to dinner and you're and I'm walking through the restaurant like the whole family's on the phone. Like, you know, you're not enjoying each other's company. So, you know, it's hard because we have to try to break those habits first before, right. you know, before our kids could, you know, do it. Yeah. You know, so now me, now me and Amy will, will have drop everything and read. We're like, yo, we're off our phones. You get your book. I get my book. I'm going to read a chapter. This Iverson book. You're reading a chapter of your book. And at the end of that, we're going to talk about whose chapter was better. You know, trying to make it competitive, trying to make it fun, trying to do something different. You know what I mean? Because it, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, it's hard raising kids. It's it, it, it's hard all the way around, good brother. You know what I mean? But I think the dope thing is, is just always trying. Like I said, I had to lean on so many great mentors. You know what I mean? And that's why I always like want to pay it for because, yo, man, we're losing our families, man. Out here. You know, we're losing them. And I mean, that that hurts me more than anything. You know, so that's why it's like, you know, I've always with the marriage work, you know, me and me and my homegirl used to do it together. She actually has her Ph.D. and everything. And I was just like the first dude to get married out of my crew, been married 20 years. So we kind of were like a good, you know, thing together. But she wanted to charge couples like one hundred and fifty dollars a pop. And I'm like, no, like, yo, people don't got that money. But I get it. You you got a real Ph.D. Like you got then it's the same way. You have some people who go to medical school and they want to work in a big hospital and you got medical school people who want to go work in a clinic. And I'm more the person who wants to work in a clinic. So when I'm doing match coat counseling, I'm like 30 bucks, you know, a pop. Some people say, kill, we don't, we don't even got that. I'm like, fuck it. Let's go to Applebee's. Treat me to Applebee's. Let's, let's go because I don't want anybody's family to not make it because you don't have the money. You know, it's almost like with healthcare. I don't want, if your kid has asthma, just because you're not working and you don't have health insurance, you shouldn't have to pay a thousand dollars for an asthma pump right. when your kid dies. I don't want anybody's family to not make it because you don't have money. Because shit, I know what that shit is like. Because me and my wife didn't have money at a time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like that's why I do all the work that I do is because I want to make sure people have what they need to be the best. Now whether you do it or not, that's that's not up to me. I just want to make sure that you have the tools right. in your box to build your house. It's bad enough trying to build a house and you don't have the tools. That's just frustrating as fuck. You know what I mean? So at least if I can help give you the tools that you need and you build the house, that's great. If you choose not to build the house, you can't ever say nobody didn't give me the tools. And for a lot of people, that's what happens. I tell people all the time, you know, if, if site back when um LeBron was in Cleveland, if you came to me and you said, kill I got core side tickets to go to Cleveland to see LeBron James play. We get in my car and we'd be driving up and down 95 because I don't know any other highway. I have no how I have no idea how you go west. And we and you know what would happen? We drive up and down 95, we stop and get gas, we keep on driving. And after about five or six hours, we'd be like, you know what? This ain't working. Fuck it. We're done. The problem is, is that's what happens with a lot of people in their relationships, not just relationships with their spouses, but with their family, friends, whatever. Because sight, we can sit back and say we tried, right? Yeah, we tried. But, we tried to get to Cleveland, but what we didn't do was we didn't ask for help. Yeah, that's the real point. Ask for help if we pulled over at a gas station and said, "Man, how do you get to Cleveland?" They'd be like, "Well, you gotta take this to that." If we put it into our cell phone, we could. You gotta do this to that. But so many times, people don't want to ask for help because they, you know, I, I've been here too. You know, you look at it as a sign of weakness. You know, you don't want to, 
you know, you want to make it as you want to make it seem like, you know, everything is is good on the outside. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we don't want to say no. You know, and it's, it's always the joke of, you know, men don't ever want to pull over and ask for directions, you know. But as, as men, a lot of times we don't want to admit help, you know, but if we don't. And that's what a lot of couples come to me like. They're like, yo, we tried. And I'm like, OK, you tried. But if you didn't ask for help, then in my opinion, you didn't try hard enough because you didn't get you didn't reach your goal. You, your goal was to get to Cleveland. We didn't get to Cleveland site. So you wasted the money on the tickets, you know, so we, we, we tried, but you didn't reach your goal. So let's try to ask for help and and try to get the directions to get to where we need to be. You know, yeah. what I mean? and that's what a lot of us don't do. Yeah, man. I mean, we we had a there's a get we've had a guy on uh, a student named Michael Keith, uh, a friend of ours. We play basketball with him and stuff. And uh, me and him are we're always having. Well, he he's just he's kind of he's out there. So so we're always getting into some crazy conversations. But one day we were talking, and he was he was saying how when he was younger. When he was a kid, his mom, like she wouldn't touch him for whatever reason. Like she never made physical contact with him. And it made him into a really kind of like calloused kind of like teenager and stuff. And he was saying, he said, it took him a long time to be able to be helped. Mm -hmm. And that was really, that's something that always stuck with me because I had to see that in myself. You know, once you get this this uh, this chip on your shoulder, and you think, uh, you know, as soon as you got people doubting you, you start to think. You go to like the the opposite thought of, all right, well, I don't need nobody's help. I need to show people that look, I'm I'm worthy of whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I had to see that in myself that. I had to start letting people uh, help me. I had to start letting people guide me into the directions that I actually wanted to be going. Because, I mean, I wanted to do a lot of things. I think you were very instrumental in that, in, in my life, absolutely. I mean, like, that was very uncharacteristic of me to reach out to somebody who I don't really, you know, who I don't know. And I just, you know, but it, it was something about your overall spirit that, that made me comfortable enough to reach out in that way. Mm. Because it was like, I mean, I, 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 I've reached out in that kind of way. And then, you know, you, you get the response of like, Somebody's like, what? Like, I don't know you. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so, yeah, man. I think that that's so that's so important, and, and it it makes its way into your music. But I always say the music is really just an expression of the person. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just an expression of the person. Yeah, it's it's your 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 greatness outside of music makes its way into your music and that is something um that's that's man that's commendable because I, I don't think i don't think ever, there's a lot of people who make beats and stuff but i i think if you were to look outside of those beats 
you would see a lot of unfulfilled uh, people who, ha who really maybe haven't done anything really besides they, they, they make beats or something. It's like, man, like, you know. I, I thank you for that, man. That means that's real. That means everything to me, bro. Because, like I said, I love both the projects we did together. Continuum is probably one of my favorite joints I produced ever. Oh man, that's yeah, man. That's and the, I, that we put into that. And like you said, just you coming down here, man. And I mean, I think it's like you said, it's just kindred spirits, man. You know what I mean? Because it's something that I'm a good judge of character. You know what I mean? Growing yeah. up, you had to be a good judge of character. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean? imagine, yeah. But. You know, same thing. I I didn't know you, and I'm like, yo, come come to my house. You know, where me and my, where my wife and my family live. In, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was based off. It meant a lot to me. Right, yeah. and it was based off of your spirit. You know what I mean? So, like I said, you know, it was dope that we both saw something in each other. You know, because again, that's not something I'm gonna normally do. Just meet somebody on Twitter and be like, oh, come on down to my crib. Yes, yeah, you know. <laughs> no, but I, I remember thinking I was like, once I re once it was like a thing that I was going to come down there. I was like, man, I don't want to give him no reason to think I'm going to be coming down there acting up. And, you know, like, you know, I didn't, I was like, I'm going to this man's home, you know, like I and, and, you know, I, I got there and I was just like, man, like it was just, it was just so much that the, the connection you had with your family, uh, that's the kind of, that, that that's, it was um that's that's one of them what they talk about goals you know what i mean like that's 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 you know that's what i saw i was like man like i want that kind of dynamic in my family wow. you know what i mean like that's that's that was what i saw and i was like man that's eh. but that like i said man that's uh, i tell i tell people you know people like man who who produced those albums i'm like man that's my man kill like you got you got to check him out, not just because I, I dig his beats, but because I just dig him as a person. You know what I mean, like, that, brother. I appreciate and know that the feeling is mutual, man. You know what I mean? Like that's why I had to reach out a couple of weeks ago, just like, yo, how you been, man? Like, yeah. you know, it's like we ain't rapping a minute, like, yo, no, man. And that, that was and and that's it was so funny how that happened because it was like. You said that, and I literally just like that morning been thinking, man, like I had to get a hold of Kill, man. I ain't talked to him for a while, and you know, but that's 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 what I mean. Like when you when you meet people who are on the same kind of frequency that you're on, and and people who you 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 know, I don't, I'm not coming to nobody with no ulterior motives. I'm not trying to steal nothing from nobody or nothing like that. Like I'm just. When I go, where I feel like I can go wherever because I'm not coming to destroy stuff. Right. I'm only coming to build with people. I'm only, you know, what I mean, I come uh, trying to increase love, not not trying to find some victim to, <laughs> you know, get over on and, and, and be a parasite. You know, that's right. not how. That's you know, and, and when you meet people. Who who can can vibe with that? It's, there's no other thing like that, you know, because there's, there's a world full of people who who I get like the opposite kind of shit from, you know. Well, you know what that means, bro. That means it's time for another album. So it's time oh no, no, <laughs> yeah, no. But that's that. 
but I do think that that's 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 definitely that's definitely real, man. That's that's true because it's like uh, it's that's been in my head. You know, we were supposed to do another one, and I and I had I told and I had, I had apologized to Chris. You know me, bro. It's on your time. We could do it. You know, I'm old. We could do a twelve inch <laughs> side. We ain't even got to do an EP. We we could just do an A side and a B side. Hey, yeah, man. I, and that's I, that we're gonna have to work on that because I, you know, I, that's what you know. I, I, I always knew that it was gonna happen. You know, we we're gonna do something else. And I think I don't know, man. Like I, I like you said, man. It, the year has been trying for a lot of people, and you know, I, I I get into them places where it's like, you know, when you start to let let those voices in. You let the voices of other people and their opinions of what you're doing, you, you let them get in, and then they start to make you doubt yourself. Right. And even though I know that that's what's happening, I, I still think it's easy to be susceptible to that, especially when it's coming from people who you love and care about. The part is, bro, it goes back to that mission statement. If you want to make music that 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 shows love you know what i mean yeah. so when that goal is and, and here's the cool thing to me and it goes back to the whole why are you still rapping or why are you still making beats it's like dog you act like i'm 46 living in my mother's basement with no day job like dog i, I work every day like it's not like I'm still, <laughs> so it's not like i'm the boy who's like still trying to get a record deal i ain't worked in the past 20 years you know i don't got no taxes getting taken out like nah dog i still go to work every day in the hood, I still come home. I'm still a husband, father, making beats at two in the morning. So it is one of those things where, you know, even when the voices, because bro, the voices come to me too. You know what I mean? Because it's a situation of like, why are you still making beats? And see, I'm a big component of, you know, I, I'll say this at 46, I won't say I'm the most church going person, but I'm very religious. Like I believe in God, I believe in the devil. And I believe in those old Tom and Jerry cartoons where you got the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. So if you think I don't hear voices, like you don't think I want to give up almost every week, bro, I do. Like, Kill, what you still doing this for, bro? You sit up here busting your ass. You just had this one MC, made this great album. Now he done got a manager, done forgot all about you. You know, man, you need to stop being nice to people. But the one thing that I try to, I guess one of my mission statements for my life is don't let what other people have done to you stop you from being who you are. That's real. That's that. You know I mean, because once you get jerked over so many times by people, you get hardened, and you like, yo, I'm a, I'm not gonna help nobody else out because of what that person did to me. Yeah. And it took God telling me, like, yo, you can't stop being who you are. You can't let some what somebody else did to you stop stop be, stop you from being who you are and, and change your spirit because then that person won. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. It doesn't matter how many times people do me dirty, who do me wrong, whatever. I can't stop being who I am. And I can't stop being the given person I am and all those things. So understand that those voices are always going to be there, whether they're coming from the people that you love, whether it's coming from a voice in the back of your head, whatever it is, those voices are always going to be there because you're doing God's work. You're doing the right thing. If you weren't doing the right, if, if trust me, I bet you if you if, if your mission statement was I'm gonna kill as many people in my rhymes as possible, you probably wouldn't be having no voices telling you, you know, you, you stop rapping. It, yeah. You know, when yeah. you're doing the wrong thing, there ain't gonna be no voices. It ain't gonna be nothing bad. It's when you're trying to 
help people. And because here's the thing, if this person, if this MC who did me dirty can stop me from helping the next 10 MCs who I'm going to help, that stops something, that stops your love movement right there. Yeah. What about yeah. the MC who comes after you whose goal is to, I want to talk about marriage and I want to talk about positive things in my rhyme. So the devil knows if I can get this MC to do kill so dirty that he stops helping people, then he's not going to help the next five MCs whose albums was going to touch X amount of people. You see what I'm saying? So the darkness win, you know, right, you always. So and, and it's not easy by any means. I tell people this all the time. What I tell people is not easy by any, but it's just to say that, bro, I'm there with you. I, I hear the voices, you know, you know, can I make another dope beat? Can I can I write another good script? Well, what's the point? You know, what you gonna do with the script when when you do get it in? And all these things. But you you'd be shocked, bro. You you would be shocked how much Twitter has helped me. One of my one of my people was like, "Yo, kill you know Kendrick Lamar, video director, follows you on Twitter." And I was like, "Nah, I ain't know that shit." You know, you know. He was like, "Yo, y'all talk all the time." And I was like, "Yeah, but I didn't know he was Kendrick Lamar, video director." <laughs> My man was in L.A. and he was shooting a video. I'm like, yo, who's shooting your video? He's like Kendrick Lamar, video director. And I'm like, how the fuck you meet him? He's like, I told him I know you. And he did it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, where? And, and I just went to L.A. last year and was able to link up with him. And, and, you know, those are the relationships, you know, that I'm blessed to have built through Twitter. You know what I mean? Because he didn't come off like that's not in his bio. It has nothing to do. Like, that's nowhere in his page. It's yeah. nothing we ever talked about. He was just a regular dude, and we talk about marriage and life and, and a little bit of hip hop. We don't even talk about music, you know what I mean? So it's like those relationships that you build. But you know, again, bro, like I know them voices are there, bro. But the, but the great thing about it, man, is it's just continually to do what you want to do because if that's your mission statement to for your music to bridge the love gap and, and show love, I mean, here's the great part: who can beef with that? <laughs> I mean, it, it to me, it's never really been about uh, maybe people won't openly beef about it, but, you know, they'll, <clears throat> I don't know, like, I, sometimes, you know, you get that, that, that reaction of just like, oh, okay, whatever. It's just like, it's like, what, what could I have said that you would have responded positively to, like? Like, like, I mean, it's like if I would have was talking some crazy street shit, and you know, would that have been more palatable? And sometimes it's people who are not even like from the street. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like it's always that. I always tell people you got to make it make sense to me. So yeah. I, I still love making beats. Is that taking any money out of anybody's bank account? No. Am, am, am I in the strip club making my daughter's tuition rain on some stripper named Honey? No. You know what I mean? Am I home in the house where you know I'm at? Yes. Like, what? What? if you could show me that there's something negative about what I'm trying to do, I'm all ears. But if I could show you something positive, I mean, and, and, and here's the thing. Best case scenario, we make some money from this music shit. You know, worst case scenario is guess what? You got a happy husband, son, friend, brother, well, whoever is saying it to you, I'm just happier. So why would you want me to, you want to take music from me? Go ahead and knock yourself out. And, and when I'm pissed off all the time, kicking shit around the house, don't get mad at that either. Like, yeah. again, sometimes <laughs> I, make, 
people uncomfortable to understand how good they got it. Like I've had, I've done some stuff with some couples and one wife was, he'd be playing video games all day. He a 48 year old man playing video games. Is the nigga home? Yeah. Do you know where he is? Yeah. Is he at a strip club? Is he at a bar getting drunk? No. Do you know how many women would kill for your husband right now to know that their husband is home in the basement by himself? Like, do you really fucking know how good you got it? Maybe you don't, but let me explain it to you that you got it pretty goddamn good. Yeah. Like, you know, so it, it and sometimes it has to come from that other voice. It has to come from somebody else because, I mean, I, again, some women had that problem. I had one couple and um, she was like, I'm not buying him no Jordans for, for Christmas. That, that that's, that's for a child. And I'm like, question, is that Louis Vuitton purse that costs $500? Is that for a child? No? Okay, because I thought you would have outgrown that shit too since mm-hmm. you're a grown-ass woman. If the man wants some goddamn Jordans for his birthday or for Christmas, he's <laughs> fucking Jordans. Like, we ain't gonna have this where it's one way or the other. Like, is he, like, I would think a Louis Vuitton $500 purse got played out when you turned 35 and had four kids, but it didn't. So again, you know, sometimes you got to, and that's where like, I'm always challenging folk. Like if we go, we got, we either got to play fair. We can't, we can't play at all. I've asked women a lot of times, you know why at halftime the team switched basketball court. She's like, no, I'm like, because just in case if that basket has anything magical about that shit, the other team gets the opportunity to play on the magic basket. That's why they switch. So everything needs to be fair. You don't want to give head? Good. He don't want to call you during the day. So he ain't going to call you. <laughs> okay? There you go. And everybody's happy because you don't have to do what you don't want to do. He don't have to do what she want to do. Well, that ain't right. Well, then give him some head then. Like, we going to make this work. We going to make this even because that's an unequal unevenly relationship and that's not going to work so if you want the marriage to work and i tell people you can work you can pay now you can pay later but when you pay later it's always cost more it's always a late fee when you, you can pay your cable bill now and it's only 240 pay it late it's 285 so you can either work on this marriage now or you can get divorced and fucking have to get a part-time job to pay twenty thousand dollars to get out of this marriage then explain to your five kids why daddy don't live in the house no more so you know, you you gonna work hard one way or the other. It's just you you need to decide which way you gonna work hard. That's this. So, going back to like you saying those negative things in your head, like I just want to let you know that why I enjoy doing this so much is more because of you, because I have seen my kind of train of thought on certain things swing a different way. And because I believe that they've swung that way because you're a positive influence and and us talking and having these talks. Mm -hmm. And I think that my mindset on some things have changed in a positive way because of that. And I honestly, I appreciate it. I I mean, the reason why when you say I got this person to come on, I'm like, cool, I can't, I'm getting excited to to meet that person because I know that you're excited first off, and you're going to bring somebody on here that I'm going to sit here and half the time, I'm just listening because I know I'm going to learn something or or the conversation that's going on is something I need to listen to and just kind of sit back. And, uh, you know, like, I mean, and I think I think since we've been doing this, this is when I think back to where we started and where we are now, like definitely just the, the fact that some of my mindset has changed is because of you. So, I mean, I think... 
I guess I never said that before. And when I hear you say that about the, uh, the, the other voices in your head, I think to myself, well, I got to tell him say these things to you so you have those other voices in your head. I appreciate that. You know, I, I say you dope as hell, man. You 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 gotta you you gotta keep it going. And like I said, here's the hard part. We, we I ain't charge you for these beats. They you know we'll we split it on the back end. So yeah. you know, they, they, that's why I'm like there's no there's no negative about there's, there's no, no negative about it. come off with. You know what I mean? There's no negative about it. I and it's it's always you know what I think I think what ended up happening with me was you know I started working more and once you you know once once you start working more you start you know I think it's it, it's it's a time thing right it's, it's, it's not that that I don't want to dedicate the time to it but you know my son you know he's always coming to me he's like dad he's like he's like I feel like you're not here you know and then that affects my willingness to to branch out into the extracurricular activities that I do whether that be basketball or making music and things like that and you know I think I recently came to peace with it that um it's not about you know maybe becoming obsessed and having it be a situation where I'm always gone in my free time but it's like I have to carve out that time still to maintain myself. Right. You know, like it's easy to, uh, you know, to get on that cycle of go to work, come home, you know, you see need my that kids balance. for three, four hours, and then wake up and do it again. You know, that's easy. It's very easy. I've watched, I've watched, but at the same time, nobody who seems to just do that ever seems to like their life you know what it is bro it's about coming up with a schedule and it's one of the hardest things to do for me like i people joke with me all the time kill you do so much how much sleep do you get i'm blessed that i don't have to especially now working from home some days i have to wake up i don't usually go to bed till three i usually don't even come in the studio till about midnight once everybody is asleep yeah I can just, you know, concentrate on making my beats or if I want to play a game of, you know, like I, I love playing, you know, PS5. So I love playing 2K, but I only I only play one game a day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I could play all night, but I'm like, is this leading me to, towards my goal of being able to maybe finally have a job, you know, be able to maybe make money through music or scripts or something else? No, so I, I don't want to not enjoy 2K, but I can only play one game a day. You know, that's my enjoyment. Now it's time to get up here and work either on these music or on these scripts or, you know, on my podcast or something like that. Even maybe even having it where, like, before the wintertime came, like, T came up, we had to schedule. Every Tuesday, we went to a different part in Maryland and just, like, did a hiking trail or something like that as a family. So we knew that Tuesday was family day. You know what I mean? So that way you don't have the situation where it's like your son saying you almost not here. Well, you know, Tuesday's coming on the calendar, you know, and every other Saturday will be family day. This way, I'm always telling people you got to have a calendar up so people can visualize it and see, OK, well, even if your son feels like, well, daddy hasn't been around, it doesn't matter because Saturday is all day funny, family fun day. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
So then that way it's kind of all planned around. You all see it. You know, me and T were totally different. T'll get up in the middle of the night to decide, hey, I'm ready to start cleaning. Shit, I ain't in the mood to clean. Now she may have attitude, well, I'm cleaning by myself. Put it on the calendar. Because if I see on the calendar, <laughs> yeah. Saturday is cleaning day, then I know, up, oh, I got to get my mindset ready to clean on Saturday. So it, it, it's as families, we have to have those schedules. Like me and T, we haven't had one, I mean, because of COVID, but we used to literally have meetings the same way I would have with my staff at work. Because I'm like, if I don't have meetings with my staff, we're going to be all over the place. So like maybe once a month, it would be boom. I, we'd have an agenda. Number one, us, bills. Okay, who's calling about the cable? Who's calling about that? Did you look at the investments? Okay, boom, boom, boom. Two, Naomi, uh, she's going to summer school. What, what can't we get her in? Okay, who's taking care of that? Okay, three, us. Okay, cool. We spend enough time together. We have enough sex. We doing this. We doing that. Okay, four, anything else? Boom. Here's what you got to go do. I'm going to email you that shit and we'll check back in next month. <laughs> and here's the thing. That's great, man. Like this. The shit sounds crazy, but when you when when I look at it just like work, there's no way I would be able to help all these kids if me and my staff didn't meet and go over who has what assignments. It's the same way with basketball. Like if the coach isn't assigning who's who's guarding who, who's 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 setting the pick. Like this is the stuff that we have to do. And what happens in life is we just get so caught up in, well, like you said, sight, you get up, go to work, come home, sit down. Okay. Boom. Before you know, it's like, oh, I thought you was going to pay that bill. No, you said you was going to pay. Cause now we just saying shit in passing all the time. Yeah. You know, well, I thought you was going to pay. No, you said, remember you said last week you was going to pay this way. Everybody knows who got what bills to pay, who I, okay. I got to go find a summer camp for Naomi. Let me start looking the dude. This is due by next Wednesday. So when next Wednesday, when T checks in, I need to be able to say, okay, boom, here's the five summer camps I found. And that way we just stay organized because if we don't, you know, it gets, it, you get caught up to where you can't get anything accomplished. You know what I mean? And when people, when I tell people that they're like, God damn kill, that's a lot. But my goal is, is less arguing. All the bills are paid. Everybody knows where we need to be and everybody knows what play we run. So yeah, it's a lot, but it all all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted. Like, you know what I mean? So if and when we don't do it that way, they're not dotted. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's chaos, you know. Oh shit. Well, one day the car got towed because I didn't pay. I forgot to pay the um homeowner's fee. You know, T got up in the morning, like, yo, somebody stole the car. I'm like, oh shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was supposed to pay the shit. Now now I got to get up. We got to go pay five hundred dollars. I think so again, it's just like if, if those things cannot happen doing it this way, but it's hard, bro. But I feel you because you want to make sure that your family is getting the time that they that they need first and foremost. But it's also having those conversations where it's like, hey, you know what? We all have to do this, but you know, and, and it and it can be something that you and your son do together. You could be like, yo, why don't one of my homeboys came over because like we didn't do this with you, but next time you come down, I want you to do one. I do these things called the process because I can't write rhymes. So I think what you guys do is fucking amazing. So every time somebody comes over, I do this video like how do you write your rhymes? And it's incredible because every single person has a different way of writing their rhymes. And one of my my man Tony Blount, who's a singer, came over. He said, My dad would make us write stories, a three-page story every day before we could go out and play. And he would make up the dumbest shit. Write a story about blind bunnies and find trying to look for polka dots. And him and his sister would have to write these stories every single day. 
And he was like, that's why I'm a, I'm a dope songwriter. Cause I can literally write about anything. Cause I had to do this shit every day, every summer for my entire life. So even if it's something like, Hey, yo, we're we, we going to have a writing class today. You know what I mean? We're going to write about different things. Or you know what? I'm right. Daddy's writing a rhyme about da, 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 da. Y'all write a story about the same thing and we're going to come back together and find out who got the dopest rhyme. So then that way you're spending time with your kids, but you're also writing your rhyme. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? And you're making it fun. Now now it's a fun competition because you could be like, all right, you got it. You got that rhyme. You got that rhyme. Now he's hype. Now he wants to do it again. So before you know it, you're knocking out two birds with one stone. You know what I mean? But it just takes a little bit of planning to have to do. You know what I mean? And a lot of times in life, we just freestyle it. And what happens when you try to freestyle your rhymes? You fuck up. You know what I mean? That's why people, that's why people <laughs> when they do freestyles, they just yeah, right. verses. <laughs> They're written. You know, but here's the thing. We did a podcast about that. And my young boy, Yao, put me on to that. And he said, well, Kill, what happened around 2000 was rappers started getting record deals based off their freestyles on the radio. So you couldn't take the chance to say an unwritten rhyme and just come off top if you know Jay and Puffy and Swiss and all these people are listening. So you had to start coming with your writings. So he was like, that's where it shifted from your stretching Bobito days when people are just doing it for the culture and you coming off the top. So when you fuck up, it's no big deal versus now when you do it, because now you're doing it and your goal is to get a record deal. So you can't take that chance of fucking up. So. He, he explained to me, like, that's where it changed, but that's what happens, you know? So with our family structure, we just have to be a little more, we have to look at it like we're writing our rhymes versus freestyle. You know what I mean? Because in, in this way, you're able to get all those things accomplished. You know what I'm saying? And make the shit fun. Like I said, me and Naomi, she'll get a book, I'll get a book, read a chapter, then we battle on who had the dopest chapter. You know what I mean? So like you were saying, Rob, like these kids don't have any competition. My daughter get competition for me every day. Like who got the dopest, who had the dopest chapter? Well, mine was better because of this. Why? My book talked about how Iverson got locked up and who my book said da 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 da. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, trying to make that shit fun. And before you know it, like I said, you mess around and find out you don't wrote more rhymes having fun with your kids than you would have done trying to stay up till four in the morning writing rhymes by yourself. See, man, that's 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 why I had to have you on here, man. Because good stuff. You know, that's 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 invaluable information. You know what I mean? Like you put it to me in a way just now that I, you know, I think will stick with me for some time, you know. Like you you're right, you know. I, me, I've always been sort of off the cuff and I've always been uh I've always kind of used spontaneous Rob knows. Rob seen me play basketball. Like me, I I do some crazy moves that I just think of on the fly. Just you know, just you know, I I think that's the Michael Jordan effect. You know, I, I the one thing I learned from Michael Jordan was how you can use a move and demoralize people. Because right. all you gotta do, if I go and do some crazy come up on the other side of the rim and throw it over my head and land the whole different way and stuff, then that starts sending a, a, a message to the defender that, oh, this dude can do something that I can't do. Right. That's half the battle because it's a mental, it's a, it's a mental it's demoralization. It's just like, you know, and I think I've always kind of been like uh, in my life in 
like sports is just similar to music. It's really just an expression of yourself. And it's like in my life, I've gotten so used to living kind of like off the cuff that it's becoming increasingly evident in my life that, like you said, I just need to, I need to schedule and plan better, you know, uh, for the sake of not just myself, but for my family and for, you know, all people I'm involved with, you know, because what I find is, is that because I don't do that level of planning, what uh, that's that's how I have this, you know, how how we how we went all of that time, um, not talking and stuff. That's that's how those things get formed, you know. This I've seen it happen various times that like uh, I I I fade off because um, you know I get so caught up in trying to. Uh, like alleviate a, a certain situation or something like that, and this, uh, I think it's just a it's it's a matter it's a maturity thing, you know. It's it's as I get older, sometimes I feel like I'm a lot older than I actually am. <laughs> so yeah, I was shocked when you said you was 33. I, I swore yeah. at least 40. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, and I was like, oh, damn, you 33? Like yeah. that's crazy. And sometimes I feel, and I've always kind of had like an old soul. So I've always kind of felt like I'm older than I actually am. And sometimes I kind of remember that um, it's not too late for me to learn certain things that could potentially uh, drastically change my life. Good brother, here's the thing. You at 33, you're like a kid to me. (laughs) You know? know? And that's no disrespect. I'm just no, saying, not at all. I, I, I don't think I show life. I'm 40 perspective, and I'm still trying to find new tools in my toolbox. Like yeah. I'm still trying to find more different moves to use on the course. So trust me, at 33, bro, you got your whole life, <laughs> like literally. You know what I mean? And yeah. these are the great times. You know, it's always a great time to change because, brother, that that's the that's the thing. Like maybe about. Two or three years ago, God put on my heart, kill, you got to start setting goals and allowing your goals to dictate what you do. And what I meant when what, and what that meant was I would be at my job and other people would be getting promoted. And I would be like, when am I going to get promoted? This is crazy. But then the email would go out like, who wants to work this weekend? Shit, I ain't working this weekend. You know, <laughs> email go out. Who want to work late? Shit, I ain't working late. I get off at six o'clock and that's it. And once I did that and it was like, okay, boom, let me start, you know, what is your goal to get a promotion? When that email came across my desk this time, who wants to work this weekend? I will. Because that decision, I'm making decisions based off my goal. Two Mm -hmm. years later, I've gotten a $35,000 raise in two years just from changing that goal. When you met me, I was probably 200 pounds. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. My goal was to lose weight. When it was time, like, oh, my God, I want I want some Cold Stone ice cream. Is that going to help you reach your goal? No, then I'm not going to do it. I'm down to 150. I'm in the best shape of my life. I feel the best I've ever felt. But it's, it was all about those goal sets, setting and letting that dictate what I did. Because in the past, it was literally like, dog, I would go to sleep every night and dream about the life I want. 
That's what I would do every single night. I would go to bed, close my eyes and dream of making more money, dream of being in shape, dream of all of these things. And I'm listening to pay the full one day. And when Rakim said, now I'm like the dream about getting paid, yeah. it just hit me. And I'm like, yo, why am I going to sleep every night dreaming about what I want instead of going out here and just doing the hard goddamn work and doing it? And I realized that hard work is doing the things you don't want to do. Yeah. See, before in the past, I thought hard work just was just, you know, really what I thought hard work was in reality is just working. I thought me going to work, doing my eight hour shift, doing what I was supposed to do was hard work. No, that's just work. The hard work is when you got to say, I don't want to do fill in the blank. So when I have to say, I don't want to count calories every day, that's hard work. When I say, I don't want to go to the gym, that's hard work. When I say, I don't want to do 200 sit-ups and crunches every day, that's the hard work. And when you start doing the hard work, when you start doing the shit you don't want to do, that's when you start seeing shit change. Yeah. You know what I mean, and, and it's like, yo, like I'm a living testimony of that, bro. Like literally, you know me with my disease, fibromyalgia. I, I got on the medical marijuana. I feel fucking great. I, I haven't felt better in the past 20 years. I'm in better shape at 46 than I was at 26. Man, you know, it started with all of those goals. And it started with here, man. With, what do you say? I said, that's great to hear, man. Yeah, bro, I mean, Rob, you don't know, but bro, I was out fibromyalgia. I have you in pain every single day. Like my doctor. Is, is that inflammation of like your joints and stuff? Your joints everywhere. Sometimes you'll see me doing things like this, cracking your knuckles anywhere as a joint. My doctor said the best way to explain it to people, it feels like you have the flu every day of your life. Oh, so you're like and, achy. Yeah. And to women, it feels like you're nine months pregnant every day of your life. But Ooh. you still have to continually... You got to go to work every day. You still got to do all this shit every day. Like to the point, like if I had to plan shit, like, okay, Naomi want to go Six Flags. Okay. I could take her Saturday because then I'd have to give my body a whole day to rest on Sunday to get ready to go to work on Monday. And it's like now with the medical marijuana, I'm like down to like a two or three on a scale of 10 of, of being in pain. So, I mean, bro, it's just, it's setting those goals. And here's a great part. Like, there's to me, as long as you're alive and breathing, is always I'm trying to be doper every day of my life. Like literally, I'm trying to find something doper to do next week that I didn't do the month before, and just trying to figure out what I can do to to stop dreaming. Because I, I don't know about anybody else. I, I it was it to look back at that, and just say, God damn, I was going to bed every night dreaming of how I wish my life was, and yeah. I could have changed this years ago, you know. But most times, even when I talk to my friends, the last time most people say they worked hard, they, they're going back to college. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the last time you mean the last time I did something I didn't want to do, I guess when I stayed up, did an all nighter for Mrs. Johnson's test. And I'm like, nigga, that was freshman year. Like, yo, you haven't worked hard. <laughs> you know, but the hard part is, is we get into these positions and these jobs that don't that don't force us to move. Forward. So kind of like what I was saying with, with school, you you know you have to go kindergarten first, second, third. What if you got the fourth grade and you just said, hey, you know what? I like this shit. Like, I like it here. You know, I can do the work. It's good. I'm good at it. It's comfortable. I'm good. And that's what happens to us when we get jobs. So I'll speak for me. That's what happened to me. I got a job. I liked it. It was cool. It was comfortable. It, it, didn't, it didn't push me because remember, in fourth grade, I can do the math. I don't have to study all night like in fifth grade. So I'm going to just stay right here in fourth grade. 
But then you look up and you're 46 and you're like, fuck, like, why are these other people getting promoted? Why? Because they kept doing the hard work. They kept doing the shit they didn't want to do. And 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 again, at 33, it's a blessing because, brother, let me tell you, you'll wake up and you'll be 43. I, I ain't trying to scare you, but that shit will. I remember I was like 16. My dad was like, he's like, you're going to blink and you'll be 40. Yeah, and, 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 like, and like, you know, you, you're a kid, so you just like, whatever, man. Like, you know, like, and then, you know, you wake up one day, you're like, man, I'm like in my 30s. And it's like, damn, I remember just yesterday, I was like <laughs> a kid running around in the street, like, you know. But that's uh, older yet the faster the week and, goes, you know, and it goes fast, man. And that's that's you know, ultimately, you know, the way I'm seeing it, and the thing that I think is always constantly, it drives me to be better because, you know, I look at my my kids and I say, you know, my my kids are by far the most important thing that's. Yeah, I, ever to me, right. you know what I mean? Like there's, there's no thing that even compares, you know what I mean? And I always think like, how am I gonna tell them that they can be whatever they want to be if I'm not even trying to be what I think I should be? Right. If I'm not, like, <laughs> it's having that conversation with them. Yeah, I mean, conversation is having that conversation to say, you know, what you just said, you know, so this is why daddy needs his day or daddy needs his writing time, because I can't tell you because then then they understand it. You know what I mean? Like people when me and T lost our jobs, we they was probably in first grade. So she's six. And before we every time we went to Target, she got a tour every time the weather was big or small. And I told Nay that we lost our jobs and money was crazy. And people were like, yo, you told that to a six-year-old? Why? And I said, here's the problem. If you don't tell somebody to some, if you don't tell something to somebody, their brain is going to make up a reason why something isn't happening. Mm-hmm. Now, that's whether you're six, you could be 50. Because if if all of a sudden T stops coming home from work every day and she doesn't explain to me that she got another job, my brain is gonna go to who who you fucking with. You see what I'm saying? So if you don't, so if I didn't explain that to Naomi and we keep going to Target and she ain't getting no toys, she's sick. She's not probably going to ask. But then in her brain, it may be mommy and daddy don't love me no more. Or maybe I did something that made them mad. You know what I mean? Or maybe, you know, so, you know, you, you, you can't. So that's why you have to have those, those, those conversations. You know, I realized with with my parents, I don't know any. I'm 46. I don't know if my dad did anything bad. I don't know if my dad ever smoked weed. I don't know if my dad ever. I don't know anything because he never shared anything with me. So throughout time, I've shared a lot with Naomi, because now what happens is is when you don't when when my parents didn't share with me when I was going through shit as a teenager, why would I talk to you? Because you wouldn't understand. You wouldn't understand, and that's. I mean, I have the same type of a situation, you know, like, you know, with my parents, you know, they, uh, uh, I love them very much, but, um, when it came to, uh, actually like telling me about their life experiences and, uh, you know, getting through rough times and things like that, I think that they, they figured, I don't want to burden a child with that. Right. And, 
that's why me and my wife, we, we've, we've tried to be very open with my children. And we tell them things that people, you know, the number one thing people were mad at us for us because we told them there wasn't no Santa Claus. And people were mad as shit. They was like, <laughs> well, they gonna tell their cousin and stuff like that. Well, I was like, listen, I just don't, I don't even, there's a world full of illusions. Like, there, I, like I don't know if, Grown people do enough of a good job explaining to children just what they're going to enter. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I I remember I was listening to this Gil Scott Heron song, um, this song called "Save the Children," and he was saying like, you know, the the the, the children they seem to be so unaware of. Uh, all the these things they'll soon really just be like they'll be at the heart of these things very soon there's an entire world of you know what i mean like and i know that you you know us having children all you know we all have children in the world that we live in i was trying to explain to my dad the other day this the the things that i'm trying to project into or onto my children's life and try to look down the line and see, okay, what are going to be the issues that they're dealing with when they're in their teenage years and when they're 20s? And I was like, there's, there's so many different things that are coming to them. And I feel like if I don't have any clue about those things, I don't, how will I ever help them through it? You know, and you know, the thing is, bro, is that what I've realized is it's giving things to kids in dosages. So yeah. it's almost like with with, you know, with Tylenol, they'll tell you, yo, if you're this age, this age, you get a half a cup. If you're this age, this age, you get this cup. When you get past this age and you can take the adult. That's what I've had to do with Naomi. It's like I'm going to give you things in dosages like, you know, I'm going to tell you I cheated on a test. Granny found out and I got to beat. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and then as, as she got older, you know, she know now now at 15, she knows about me stealing cars. She knows about me driving. You know, she knows a whole bunch of stuff. And it's funny because we'll be in, when we were in Philly sitting out on my mom's steps. Mm-hmm. And my, my mom was like telling Naomi what a great kid I was and how I didn't get. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, do you know? I'm like, oh, shut up. Don't tell. She'll know nothing, you know. But, you know, it, it's those dosages so that. When things do happen, she can kind of like, and again, because I've been able to be a fly on the wall, I've been able to have those conversations because I've had to have these conversations with all my kids for so long. Like, so one day Naomi came home, maybe last year, and she was like, can we take a walk? And I was like, yeah, what's up? She was like, why do boys just want head all the time? And I was like, okay, the head conversation. Okay, I've had this with my girls before. So this is what it is. And like, we were able to walk boots and take a two hour walk and talk about head and you know, everything else. And for a lot of men, that would be hard. And I get it. But like I said, I've had this head you conversation with my this conversation. for so long. And then I also understand that if I don't have this conversation with her, someone else will. Yeah. Because here's the thing. What we have to understand as parents is when our kids come to us nowadays, that's a blessing in itself because these motherfuckers got Siri. They got Google. They don't have to add really Alexa. They don't need us. They got Alexa. They don't need us. Like when my girlfriend was like, yo, eat me out at 15. I ain't know what the fuck to do something like that. What, what is eating out? Now, if I had a fucking Google, if I had a phone, I'm not asking my dad. I'm just going to Google. 
What was his response? Right. You know, so, but that's the thing. So when our kids come to us, we 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 have to be ready to have those conversations because they really don't even have to come to us anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like if if we don't, if they don't come to us, you know, we're doing them a disservice. The church that we were at, I was at um, I was on the um I was the treasurer and they did a, a survey of all the men. And all the men said the number one thing they want to talk about at the men's conference was sex. Now these men are all married, so you know, sex should be fine. Took the surveys to the pastor. He was like, Oh man, they want to talk about sex. I was like, Yeah. And he's like, Okay. Came back to the meeting and that and they were like, Well, the pastor doesn't feel comfortable talking about sex, so we're gonna talk about something else. And I was like, Okay, I'm good, I'm done, I quit, goodbye. Because it was just like, What how how you want to ask men what they want to talk about? And they tell you. And because you don't feel comfortable, if you don't feel comfortable, fine, then bring somebody in who does feel comfortable. Yeah. But you can't just now go and call an audible because you don't like what we want to talk about and talk about something totally different. And it's the same thing as parents. Like if your kids come to you like, hey, I want to talk about this or that or this, we can't be so uncomfortable to talk to them about it because, again, they're just going to, you know, they're going to hear about it from somebody else. You know, one of my girls came up to me the other day. Well, not th- when I say the other day, it's a year ago because it's pre-COVID. <laughs> and she was like, Kill, you know what? I'm about to have sex with this guy. I'm going to lose my virginity. And I was like, okay, how long have you known this guy? She was like, three weeks. I said, okay. Here's the thing. I'm old. So three weeks to me ain't shit. Maybe at, in 2020, three weeks is like eight years to y'all. I, I don't <laughs> like dog years to y'all. And yeah. I said, okay, cool. So you're going to lose your virginity to him. Okay, cool. I said, let me ask you this. Would you, if you just met somebody three weeks ago, would you let them hold your iPhone for a week? She's like, fuck no. And I was like, but you're going to lose your virginity to somebody who you just know for three weeks. So your iPhone is more important than your virginity. And she was like, shit, you're right, Mr. Kill. You're right. You're right. All right. You know, it's just having to find ways to get them. And, and, And this girl doesn't have no dad in her life. And her mom is a jump off. So it's kind of just like, you know, where is she going to get the advice to not, you know, in, in our in, in our kids, our girls don't hold their virginity as something important. They don't hold it as something that's precious. You know why? Because like you were saying, Rob, the Kardashians, hoes are winning right now. You know, hoes are winning. Everybody in the NBA got an Instagram model as a girlfriend. Everybody in the NFL. So everybody basketball wives or wives of people who aren't even basketball players and they're not even wives. So, you know, when you look at TV as a young woman, you see hoes winning. So that's kind of just like the same way. If, if you're a boy and you want to be a rapper and you see gun talk winning, then that's what you're going to rap about. So as a young girl, you see hoes winning. Well, I guess I got to be a hoe. I've got girls at 15 tell me they want to be strippers. You know what I mean? Like one of my girls put that on her bucket list to be a stripper. It's on a bucket list? Man. It's on a fucking bucket list. Wow. You know? So now I got to spend time trying to explain what a real good bucket list is. And two, why you probably don't want to be a stripper. You know, but in her mind, it was like, well, Cardi B is the number one female MC and she was a stripper first. So she's looking at it like college. Like, I want to get my master's degree, so I got to get my bachelor's first. Mm-hmm. So I want to be a rapper, so I have to be a stripper first. So it's literally well, just... Really? Uh, so, go ahead. No, you go ahead. So man. I have a question. So... Obviously, you have all this experience. How do you think we got here to the point that that the that these girls and and boys are you know in this position where they're that? How did we get here? Oh God, I think we got here. A lot of it started with the internet 
because what happened was that made everything accessible to everybody too early. It's kind of just like uh, a biblical example is like when God was like, don't eat from the tree of life because you don't need to know everything. And then, you know, they ate the apple and they could see everything like the Internet is like the tree of life. Like you can find out anything. When I was growing up and I would go in Walden bookstores and Sheltonham Mall and look, look at the porno magazines, they had the paper bag up to the top so you couldn't see them. You know what I mean? Like to yeah, watch yeah. 1989, like was like fucking Mission Impossible. It was like find your dad's porn stash, wait till everybody goes to sleep, turn it down real low, hurry up, be ready to eject it if he comes downstairs. These kids have literally access to everything. And when that Kim Kardashian thing, I mean, when you look at the Kardashians, the the, the I don't even know if it's billions yet. It's probably almost there. The empire is all built off of a Chloe uh, Kim Kardashian sex tape, like. That's what blew them up. So famous for being famous. So so if you're trying to blow up, it's a situation where it's like, okay, I need a sex tape. So that's when everybody started having sex tapes. And it's always like, oh, my God, someone stole the footage. No, motherfucker, you leaked that shit yourself. And it just became, let me do this. So and now we're at a part. I was just watching today, Fat Joe and Amber Rose. And Amber Rose was saying, like, she's probably made over a million dollars on OnlyFans. You know what I mean? So you're now having a situation where, you know, now our girls are trying to get money. They're trying to get quick money and the quick money is is stripping or now it's only fans. You know what I mean? So I think once we got the Internet and then kids get these phones, I mean, you literally have access to everything. In my day, you either had to go to the library or if your family had a couple of dollars, you had encyclopedias at your crib. You know, like that was the extent of our internet. It was fucking A to Z encyclopedias. Yeah, yeah we had encyclopedias. Yeah, like that was it. And if you wanted to walk to the library, this was the extent. But I can't go to the library and look up a book called How to Eat Pussy. Like that book didn't exist. You know what I mean? Right. Where now your library is this. And right. I can I can Google How to Eat Pussy. How does how up there? You know, you yeah. can Google whatever you want. You know, porn is at your fingertips. So you know, you, you're, you're having kids and, and, and you can't hold them back. I mean, because they're going to see it. You can lock your kid's phone, but then somebody, their best friend's phone ain't locked. And, you know, so they're going to have to see it. So as parents, we just have to be ready to have the conversations. And I think it was in third grade. And Naomi goes to a good school. We're out here in the suburbs, but somehow the teacher fucked up something and she hit play on something that was supposed to be not porn. And it was porn. You know, so in third grade, we had to explain to Naomi and, and we got the teacher, but well, not us, but the teacher got fired because, you know, the parents didn't know. So T had to go up and tell the principal and Naomi's like, well, why was that man doing that to that lady? And why was it this? And why was it that? And, you know, in third grade, you know, but we had to be ready to have that conversation and, and ready to tackle those issues. And if the issues don't come, you know, there are times when I'm like, no, you don't like no boys yet. Like. And in the past, I would thought I would have never asked that question. Like, good, you ain't said nothing. Good, I don't want right. to. Bring it up. It's like, no, I'm gonna bring it up because you know, I because I know you have access to everything. You know what I mean? Like, you know. So I think that's where it went wrong. And I think just as parents, we're the first generation of parents who have to deal with this, <laughs> like who have to deal with a kid being able to know everything and a kid can, you could tell a kid one plus one equals something else and they going to look it up. No, you're wrong. Daddy. Look like, so we're having to call audibles all day long, every day, you know, to, to the defense that's being put in front of us. And if we don't, then the kids, 
you know, aren't there. It, it's funny. And Jesus, yo, we've been talking for almost four hours. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's, how it happens, That's what, what happens. But here's the crazy thing. So maybe Nay's in fourth grade. So she's six, seven, eight, nine. She's nine. I say, you know what? I'm going to take you on a daddy-daughter date. I'm going to show you what it's like to, to what's supposed to happen on a date. You know, so, I'm, you know, pick you, you know, come out the house, knock on the door, pick her up, get her in the car. You know, you want popcorn, all this. Sit her down. So she's sitting in this chair. I'm sitting in this chair. A, a boy is sitting in this chair, a, like a high school like boy sitting in this chair. His girlfriend is sitting in the chair next to him. And then her little sister's in that chair. We're, this is like Madagascar 3 or some shit like that. <laughs> it literally is noon on a Saturday afternoon and the movie theater is packed. Every seat is sold. Lights go down. Next thing I know, this chick is sucking his nigga's dick. That's crazy. Front, next to her little sister and next to me. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> like, like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then they get up and, 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 and before she was saying that, like I could hear her saying things like, remember, re just remember who will do this for you. Just remember like who will do this for you. Oh, and, oh. It, it, and, it, and again, I don't believe in coincidences. So I don't think it's a coincidence that that happened on the first day. I'm taking my daughter on a daddy-daughter date. Now, thankfully, you know, it's the recliner seat. So Naomi is just eating popcorn, watching the movie. You know, she's in the zone. She ain't seen nothing. But I'm just like, yo, so this is where we're at, that you're you're giving head in a movie theater next to your little sister so she can see what you're doing. And you're telling him, just remember who will do this for you. So, you know, when the other girls don't, you can always come back to me. And it's just like, this is where we're at. This is, you know, where, you know, I, I mean, of course we did that when I was growing up, but it'd be in the back of the movie theater, like the 10th <laughs> Dark Night movie or some oh, shit like God. that. I didn't have a gas car at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Four people in the, in the theater. <laughs> like, yo, every, every seat is packed. This is a G-rated movie. Like, y'all supposed to come back at night, you know? So, and, and it just shows me how everything is moving forward and, and how, young, how young girls feel like that they have to be because... It's kind of like if I won't do this for you, then the next chick will. So then you have girls who feel like, well, to keep my man, I have to do this. I have to suck his dick in a movie theater. Or I got to suck his dick in the car. Because if I don't, I know these hoes at school will. You know what I mean? So and, and I always tell Naomi, you know, it's hard because these rap songs are now making the boys who are respectable boys be disrespectful. You know what I mean? Because you'll have Make the Stallion songs talking about if you can't handle this pussy, you ain't no real nigga. So now boys are like, oh, well, I guess I got to handle the pussy because I want to be a real nigga. <laughs> like, you know, so even, the good, even the good guys are going to have to act bad because the songs are saying, the girls are saying, choke me, hit me, you know, and it's like, oh, choke you? Okay. Like one of my girls, we had this conversation and she was like, yeah, I like my man to choke me. And I was like, I'm sorry, time out. What, what do you mean? <laughs> like, yeah, like during sex, like, you know, choke me. And I was like, so what's like the time limit on the choking? Like, when do we go from choking like to like it being a problem? She's like, about 10 seconds. I'm like, well, does he know that? Because it, it's just, and then as the conversation went on, more girls were like, yeah, I like to get choked. And then some of my boys, like, I took my girl too. And it was just like, like, I'll be on Twitter, like giving out clues, like, hey, y'all may want to talk to y'all daughters about choking because that's the new shit. Like, yo, you can't say you did. But again, again, I just, I'm, a, I'm blessed to be a fly on the wall. So I'm just I understand that I have to take these conversations, you know, home to, you know, make sure that this is going on. Because, again, I live in the suburbs, but because of the Internet, whatever goes on in the hood now goes on in the suburbs because you're seeing TikToks all day. 
you're you're on IG all day. So there is no 20 years ago, you'd be like, oh, that's hood shit. I ain't got to worry about that. Not anymore. Because you know it's it's there and it's it's being able to have those conversations. So, so much of my time is spent talking with parents about well, kill. How do you have that conversation? How I can't talk to my daughter about head. So a lot of my time is spent trying to explain it to people. Like you know how the conversation goes. Sometimes I have a conversation with people's kids. You know they don't feel comfortable and they can be there. But you know it's just we we gotta we gotta save our babies, man. And, and like I said, it's no matter what age they are. We you know because. It's crazy out here. Like I said, yo, like, you know, I'm more worried. Back in the day, it was like, yo, I got to worry about boys because they may sell drugs. Girls, they ain't going to do nothing. Like now it's like, fuck them boys. It's like, I got to worry about these girls because, you know, these girls could get, you know, I mean, I got girls. I mean, 10 years ago, I had girls in seventh grade having head parties. In seventh grade? In seventh grade, basically saying it's four girls. All you niggas come over and we'll just suck your dick off. And this was of ten years ago, so that's two thousand ten. And so, then come to you, and like, would you find out about this, or would you just like, you know, like, how do you even come into the information? Like, how, how did it just come tell you? What happened was I was at a school, Kelly Miller in Northwest, and the principal pulled me up, like, Mister Kill, this is what's going on. Can you you talk with the girls? And it's just like trying to get them to understand, but but what's happening is that more women are finding their worth in sex. You know what I mean? So you're, it, they don't feel like they're worth anything if they're not having sex. So it, it'll be girls saying like, hey, you know, I feel like my boyfriend loves me when I'm giving him head. So I want to feel love. So I give him head all the time. You know, so it goes back to the love deficit of when you don't feel like you're loved. So if you feel like that's when you know, he's always like, oh, this feels so good. You make me feel so good. Like that, that's that's building your confidence up. You know, it's like if a coach is like, oh, you play so good at basketball, you you want to play basketball more. Oh, you write such great rhymes. You want to write more rhymes. Well, if the only if the only praise you get is when you suck in dick, then well, I guess I gotta suck dick more. You know what I mean? So it, it's it's those things. So again, the blessing is just me being able to be a fly on the wall so I know, oh shit. I need to praise Naomi a lot, so, you know, so like, so she's able to get praise or, you know, um, I came in and me and they got, did our handshake and one of my toughest girls started crying. I was like, fuck you crying for it. She was like, nobody ever told me they love me. And I was like, Kayla, shut the hell up. Like, what are you talking about? She's like, like, you really love your daughter. I'm like, yeah. She's like, nobody's ever told me that. And I'm like, oh shit. And so I started telling my kids when they would walk in, boys and girls, I love them. They couldn't even take it. The boys would be like, yo, stop saying that gay shit to me, Mr. Kill. And I'm like, yo, it ain't gay. Like, yo, I love you, man. You my guy. And he, you know, don't say that shit. Like, they couldn't even take it. One day I was on the phone with my dad and we get off the phone. I said, I love you. And my kids was like, ew, you tell your father you love him? I'm like, yeah, why not? It was like, because he a man. I'm like, he's my fucking father. Like, what you know what I mean? But this, I mean, it's literally that much of a disconnect between love, you know, and, and I can't, I'm, I can only speak for the hood, but I believe it goes beyond that. Like just as men, we when my mentor who passed away last year, the first time he told me he loved me years ago, I was like, "You, yo, man, I'm straight. Like I don't get down like that." He's like, "Come on, kill, I ain't gay, man, but I love you. You my." Bro. So I understood the first time he said to me that I took it kind of strange. You know what I mean? But you know, and I have a mentee at the center who's older, and we always say I love you to each other. And when the kids saw Calvin saying it to me. Then they started opening up to it a little bit more. But 
Yeah, man, it, it's it's a, it's a love deficit, but it's, it's these conversations. I always, when I talk to couples, when I talk to parents about their kids, I make them watch. You remember that thing, site that Spike did with Kobe years ago when it was like he had Kobe mic'd up? Yeah. You ever see that, Rob? That's no. Kobe oh, yeah. doing work. Yeah, Kobe doing work. And yeah. what I'm showing them is that all of talking that goes on during a basketball all the talking of man move out the way here comes the pick all that conversation that when people are watching the game they don't see so i would make couples watch that and parents watch that and and do you see all the talking that has to go on in order to win one game this is just one fucking game of an 82 game season we ain't even in the playoffs and nobody and everybody's like oh my god i had no idea that they talk so much like yo what that's how much talking has to go on in your marriage. That's how much talking has to go on in your household for you to win one fucking game. You have got to let people know where the pick is coming. You got to let you know, my man blew by me. I need help defense. I need help. Watch the pick. It's coming over this way. Watch your man. Yo, guard him over here, bro, because he's going to come around the screen. All that talking to win one game. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to watch that and help people understand. Because, again, most people who watch the basketball game, you don't know that. You know, they may do the little mic'd up for five seconds and you, right, see, little, you, know, you see that, but they had no idea that there was that much conversation going on during the game. And I'm like, that's how much conversation you got to have with your kids. That's how much conversations you got to have with your spouse. That's how much conversations you got to have with, with everybody in your life. This is just relationship building. You know what I mean? And when you're able to have those conversations, you know, again, there are going to be some hard conversations because there are some arguments in there. Like, nigga, you stop fucking losing your man. I'm tired of having to guard your man and my man. Like, right. it, you're going to get into some some tussles. But again, the goal is to win the game. So I, I don't want anybody to think that the conversations are going to be all peachy and key. Like, hey, everybody's happy. Yeah. No, it's going to be some fucked up conversations. I but, mean, if you're having all peachy conversations, that's there's right. just but, that. But it's all to win the game. And the more you have those hard conversations, that's when you go on these Utah Jazz win streaks. They don't won 10 games. Nobody was talking about Utah in the beginning of the season. Right. Now people are talking about their championship team. You know, but good brothers, I got to get ready to go. I, I promise now I'll watch a movie with her. Um, but, yo, I love this. Yo, thank you all for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. This was awesome. Nah, please, anytime, please. Y'all got to get on Apartment 5B with me one day. We got to get the podcast up going and, and send me all the links because I want to promote this on Twitter, man. I want everybody to know about this joint. So yeah. and then yeah. send, also send. Got, I got I got a good deal of them. But if there's any other, you know, uh, links you want me to put yeah. up, man, just you know, send them over and, and we'll talk, you know, because we, we you're right. We do definitely got to do some more music. So right. and yeah. Rob, are you on Twitter. Yeah. So we have a hunger for knowledge page. All right. All right. I just I'm not I'm not great with the social media. It's all good. Yo, let me take care of that for y'all, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I so. want I'd like to hear more about the nonprofit stuff because I try I, I was trying to do nonprofit up, up over in Baltimore and I I mean I got to a certain point and then it just became such a struggle. It's hard, man. It's hard, especially now during the pandemic, because the grants the grant money is funny. All funding is crazy right now. You know what I mean? Like the only the only thing that's really saving up. My nonprofit has been around for thirty years. Was started from a woman who worked on the hill. So all our volunteers are like really tied in. Like for for um our yearly fundraiser, we rent out national stadium. You know what I mean? So 
Um, but I can definitely, you know, plug you in with our new development director, like, you know what I mean? And, and, and kind of talk about funding, but just right now it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, I understand. Yeah, most nonprofits are actually going under right now and laying yeah. off. And it's a blessing that like we just I just opened a new teen center in a new neighborhood. So it's crazy that our funding is that solid that where while most people are going under and scaling back, we actually opened a new team, a new center. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. But uh, what you say? Rob? That was the thing. I, I ended up I was funding everything and I just couldn't do oh, it. No, 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 no. Yeah, we, we would get you with some grants and some funding. Nah, you can't be coming out of pocket with that. But, well, but yo, Sight, love you, brother. Rob, great. Yeah, thank you. you. Rob, get my number from Sight if you ever want to chop it up. Any help I can be, just yeah. get at me, good brother. Definitely, thank you. Thank right, you. So. I'll be in touch, man. I'll talk to you, man. All right. All right, man. Be good. All right.